What's up, everything? The Blues and Flames exchanged 14 goals this week, roughly one goal for every 220 fans that Arizona can fit in its new arena. And speaking of Arizona, former Coyote Keith Yandel broke the NHL's Ironman streak, among other things ruining one of the hockey writer's articles that I've written in the process. Why are you so selfish, Keith? We'll talk about why Aaron Dell is so selfish before we try and figure out what the heck to make of the Blues' remarkable week. It's all ahead, so let's get started and let's go Blues. Blues. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is Friday, January 28th, the eve of Friday, of Saturday, January 29th, <laughs> also the eve of the Royal Rumble, which I'm told by the Blues game, very big event to come They, they talked about an awful lot. Um, and uh, we are live from a new studio in a very untamed region of the county, mm-hmm. almost lawless <laughs> Uh, forsaken wasteland where Ian makes his abode. <laughs> it's the only place that would accept us. Um, Studio B, Studio Beta, um, <laughs> as someone called the other side of the train tracks. You gotta go under some train tracks, mm. then you gotta go over, over some other, train yeah. tracks. They're not the same train yeah, tracks. They don't go in a little circle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're down here. How's it? How, how's it sounding? How's the recording? <laughs> Sounds sound? great. I'm sure it does. I'm if, sure the people love it. Or, sure. or hate the, it. Yeah, one or the other. Uh, the acoustics sound in my head, like, genuinely, like, it's a little better in here, but who knows? I don't know. The people are going to decide. I use the this, cats will decide. Oh, yeah. I use this mic for when we do a lot of the the St. Louis lads. Not those soccer talk <laughs> lads. I got it. I got the name. Yep. Podcast. And I never know how it sounds. And then I listen back to it, and I'm like, it sounded pretty good. It sounded all yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, I Now that I'm in your office, yeah. I can reveal things to the audience, oh, like the no. fact that your monitor is propped up on a book called Fix It and Enjoy It, Five Ingredient Recipes, which is fine, Yeah, but also a book <laughs> called Basic Microwave, <laughs> which has to be, tell me if I'm wrong, from like the 1970s. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think this is something that my mom had, and she gave it to me like when I went to college, because they're like... Yeah, you cook, but you don't actually cook. So here, you need this. You need basic microwave. Can you imagine the microwave being like a new invention? I think about this a lot because my parents are like a little older for my generation anyway. So like so much of what we have is like was brand new to them at one point in their life. But like even the microwave, like most of our generation's parents, that would have been new in their life at some point. That is kind of crazy. I'm like the microwave. That's it's always, it's always been, been there. <laughs> that was here in World War Two. Yeah. Here when we fought the Civil that War. That's right. Abraham Lincoln actually microwaved the uh, Gettysburg Address because he wrote it on a napkin. It was a little wet outside, <laughs> so that's people don't know that, but it's true. That is a completely historical fact. So here on Stephen's History <laughs> Corner, 
you know, even we've we've moved locations, but we haven't missed a beat. We're just we're just right on. Have we gotten better? That's for you to decide. You know, you know, I was about to transition into our first topic, and then I realized it's real not happening. Yeah, no, it's so. not great. It starts off. Not so good, yeah, folks. Yeah, um, but yeah, you know, not, I don't want to linger on this too long because how many times can you ring the same <laughs> bell? Really? Oh but, god, that's uh, so true, though. <laughs> um, another uh, two racist incidents in the hockey world this week. I guess one of them didn't happen this week. Maybe was that? Yeah, I think true it was a little prior, the... and it's just they kind of wrapped it into the one that that did. <laughs> that was the Kristoff uh, Rabic of the San Jose Barracuda was suspended 30 games for directing a racist gesture towards Boko Amama of the Tucson Roadrunners. Uh, however, um, I think the one that's gotten more attention, whether that's justified or not, uh, was Jacob Panetta making a racist gesture to Jordan Subban, obviously the younger brother of PK and Malcolm on the ice in an ECHL game. Um, he later later claimed it was a uh, gesture um, of like a strongman gesture similar to the one Tom Wilson famously yeah, made yeah. after. Was that after he killed Pavel Buchnevich? Yeah, I what think was that was. one? <laughs> uh, wow, small world. Um, but, uh, and supposedly there was video to support that, but not for me to decide. He was originally subject to an indefinite suspension pending a hearing, and then he was uh, suspended yesterday, I think, for the duration of the season and would be eligible to apply for reinstatement on March 17th. I didn't actually look up if that was in the duration of the season or if that was like the first day after the season oh, that yeah. he was able to reapply. But anyway, um, like I said, I don't really want to dwell on this other than to say you know, I still hear every time this comes up, it's like, well, this isn't a hockey problem. Oh, either, yeah. either they'll say it's a it's a sports problem or it's a culture problem. And it's like, yeah, like, I'm not denying there isn't, there's no racism. I'm not claiming there's no racism elsewhere in society or sports. Mm. But if you can at this point admit that hockey's got like a particular issue with it, I don't feel like. Yeah, you're really being honest it's with just yourself. It's so silly because it always just sounds like, well, you know, I know this room is messy, but the whole house is messy. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you could still clean this room yeah. and that would make it better. Yeah. And I'm like, especially when you're talking to like hockey journalists specifically, they're like, you're really focusing a lot on this hockey. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I write about hockey for a living. I'm going to talk about the racism in hockey. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And especially like. You know, if it's any, exactly, if it's like any incident in a hockey, then like, of course you're going to talk about it. And that's also, you know, all you can control. You yeah, can't fix the racism fix the NFL in or whatever. Chicago yeah. or wherever, you know, like that's not, that's not, I don't know, Ken Campbell's job. <laughs> so yeah. it's just dumb. And I think the Jacob Panetta incident to me is a perfect example because like, let's say we totally believe his story that the gesture was not intended to be racist at all. And, you know, he just mm -hmm. kind of realized after the fact why Jacob Subban, uh, Jordan Subban, sorry, too many J names, um, you know, saw it as particularly insulting. Well, first of all, that means he wasn't aware enough of these issues to, like, have that framework in his mind to begin with. Right. And, like, it wasn't even, like... It would be one thing if you did it, and then he was uh, pissed off by it, and then you were immediately like, oh, no, 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 right, no, no, right. no, no, But it was, like, after the game, like, watching it back, where he had the, like, slow 
caveman light bulb moment of like, oh, I get it why he's pissed off now or whatever. Even even that sounded like his like apology and stuff. I'm glad he apologized, but it did seem really kind of like defensive y. Mm-hmm. And I think his teammates went out of the way and put a statement out recently that's like, hey, like we get it, you were offended, but like he, you know, we think he's being maligned here a little bit. And I'm not gonna say I agree or disagree, but it's one of those things where I just like you said, if you really, I don't know, if you really feel like you were misunderstood when someone's like, hey, dude, I thought that was racist, you're going to be like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what yeah. I meant at all. Instead of being like, hey, man, no, I don't know if it's a tough guy thing yeah. in hockey where it's like, no, dude, you screwed up because now you think it's this thing and you're trying to be a tough guy still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's totally. just the facade that's yeah. there and you can't break through. But like, just pause it for a moment. Be like, no, dude, that's not what I meant at all. Yeah. That's not how I intended this. I don't think there's any, like, good way to apologize. Like, yeah, somebody's going to always pick it apart. But I true, completely true. agree that you could at least be like, listen, I'm horrified that this was received this way. And I totally understand why it was in hindsight. Right. And I, you know, I want to tell you that that's not what I intended at all. And I've done this other times. And, you know, it's just a thing that I do. But, like... I totally get it, and I'll do anything to make it right with Jordan and yeah. the league, and I'll serve my time. Like, whatever you well, want to say. That's what I mean, but like, you came up with on top of your head, and I'm like, see, how hard is how hard <laughs> is that? Like, you just have to think about it for just a little bit yeah. instead of this weird, I don't know, just kind of choreographed thing where you're yeah. like, okay. And that is the other half of my point here is, like, hockey culture still encourages violence and taunting and trash talk to the extent that a guy, you know, again, if we're accepting his story, can regularly make stupid, mocking, you know, mm. ape-like gestures, basically. And that's just, like, that's just fine. It's that's just, just part, part of, of hockey <laughs> when it's towards white players, you know. And then, like, you know, it becomes an issue yeah. when it's directed at a black player. But it should have been an issue back then. It was an issue when Tom Wilson did it, you mm-hmm. know, because he was an asshole, too. So, like, I don't... <laughs> I just don't get why. That is kind of the thing where, like, at bare minimum, at bare minimum, you're an ass. Yeah. (laughs) Like, just doing the gesture period to anyone, I'm like, Jesus. And then it's like, and then you just stack all this stuff on top of it. So I'm like, I just don't buy, I just don't buy that you're, like, a sweetheart or whatever. Mm -hmm. I guess that's sort of it. I'm like, eh. Yeah. I get it. But it's just like, it sucks. I think one of the things I talked about with Steve Dangle is the thing that always sucks about this is, like, you want to see some sort of growth in this league. And I'm not going to pin it all on, like, Jacob Panetta has to grow and then the league will grow. You know, it's all on him. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, whenever this happens, it just sucks because in your head you just know there's going to be more. And I know there's always going to be more. And at least maybe that's the nice thing about hearing about it now is that you hear about it now. Mm-hmm. And we can at least talk about it and, and get it out of the sport. But it just sucks because you're like, well, here we are again. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I guess the one quote-unquote positive here is that a 30-game suspension and a remainder of the game, remainder of the season suspension is, like, better. Like, you're you're improving, but it should be one strike and you're done, as far as I'm concerned. Like, you know, Panetta's story, I kind of believe that he didn't intend it. It's a little different, but, like, as far as I can tell, the other guy in the the AHL was just, like, straight up being racist and, like, you should... First of all, you're in the AHL. Get the hell out of it. Like, you know, like, I mean, I don't want to make that a part of it, but, like, it can kind of be a part of it. Well, I mean, they're like, we don't need, we don't, no one in the, we don't need any of you. This is the AHL. We can just boot you out because you're not bringing in the fans, guy. Right. 
if Connor McDavid made a racist gesture like that, it would be like a totally different problem. But also, Connor McDavid's not making this racist gesture. Right. It's always the like Neanderthal grinder caveman guys. Right. So, which is itself an insulting and demeaning way to talk about people. So I suppose I'm no better. Full circle. Speaking of people who are no better, Aaron Dell. Holy crap. I'm calling it the Delbo. I love it. Uh, <laughs> this so is good. this is a three-game suspension is abysmal for this. This is one of the worst incidents. I mean, it's like in the sense it's like you know he could have been. So what? Um, apparently, I learned today that Batherson, who's the player he elbowed, yeah, it was his ankle. Oh, yeah, his head, and I rewatched it just now. If you saw me wince a minute ago, because I saw like where the ankle, like, and it was a high ankle sprain, and it's yeah. going to be a couple months, which sucks because he's had an amazing season. And also, uh, prayers up for your fantasy team. I know, I'm sorry, <laughs> but oh. but I mean, for those who haven't seen the play, it's just completely. Dell is chasing, um, I think, or not Dell. Um, Batherson's chasing, I think, Olafson behind yeah. the net, and completely, I'm completely allowed to make the play he's making. I don't think he's even in the trapezoid or crease or anything. And Dell, Aaron Dell, just literally just sticks out his elbow in his face, mm. and you know, in the process of like either dodging it or getting elbowed in the face out of nowhere, <laughs> Batherson like careens into the board, and he can't like adjust quick enough, so as his ankle gets caught behind him and very reminiscent of when I hurt my ankle really badly last year. Um, and it was, it sucked. It sucked really, really bad. So, um, you know, he's going to be out a couple months and that was terrible. Uh, I don't know what much more to say, but EJ, EJ Raddick, this, this is the stuff hockey I feel like needs a little bit more of. Cause anytime there's something like this, there's almost always an element of like, well, yeah, but in the heat of the moment, yeah, right. That's Stuff kind of, happens. That's how hockey's played, yeah. though. You know, you got to be tough. And EJ Raddick, the NHL Network analyst, goes all in and says, what an absolute BS play by Aaron Dell, and not the first time for this faux tough guy. These are the times I really miss old school hockey. In another era, he'd pay a heavy price for that nonsense. A Bush League play by a Bush League goalie. Hope Betherson can recover in time. And on the one hand, I'm still not wild about hockey's culture of like, well, violence begets violence mm-hmm. and the only solution is to have a a Tiger Williams out there who would punch Aaron Dell's face into the ice but other than that very well struck each <laughs> I just like I don't, how do you only give three games for this it's, first of all it's a Sabres goalie dude so who cares like, <laughs> like who cares they have no goalies now I believe oh, I think literally yeah, they have like why. no goalies but like I just how how do you do that I don't understand how you do that. Um, Have you ever looked up Tiger Williams before? This dude looks like the Joker. That's like... That's yeah, his, that fits. That's his that face. completely fits. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, but I'm like, that's a that's a face, all right. Um, yeah, I just... It, it, goalies, I think if you're allowed to like hit a goalie when they're outside of the crease and are moving around the ice, I think goalies should be allowed to, you know, kind of get in the way shove some people around but yeah this is a bad play no matter who makes it and you definitely don't expect a goalie to make it so i just Mm -hmm. think it's doubly bad yeah yeah it's just it's just it's just brutal to be completely honest with you 
Um, moving on, a couple things about the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, <laughs> we mentioned at the top that Keith Yandel broke Doug Jarvis's, fuck you, Doug Jarvis, <laughs> uh, active games played streak of 964. He played 965 on Tuesday. I got to say, personally, my biggest complaint with this is I've had an article a couple of years. I, I've had to update it every year for the hockey writers of like records that will be broken in the NHL. And uh, three of two of them have been this year. The uh, one of them was the power play goals for Ovechkin, and the other one was uh, this one. And now I've got to delete both of those, and I also had to delete Joel Quinville from just existing. <laughs> um, so, and that was he was going after all times games coached, which I think uh, Paul Maurice also was a contender for that, but then he just up and quit. So, I uh, really screwed up that article. But no, I mean Keith Yandel's cool. Um, I, I think especially with the hurdle of COVID thrown on top oh, yeah. of everything else, like incredible that you hit this. Um, I was thinking when he was like one or two games away, I'm like, do not test him oh, under yeah. any circumstance. You just got to lie. You think pe- other people were like taking his being like they'd get a, pe- a positive and then they're a negative and then they'd be like, all right, give me keys. This is for Keith Yandel. Uh, but uh, really cool for him. Obviously a guy that the players love, a spit and chicklets guy, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, and was there was Florida? that controversy. Was what you were saying? Like, there was a Florida last year yeah. where they were going to scratch him because he wasn't playing well. And then the whole team came together and was like, you cannot scratch yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will be an open revolt. Um, and speaking of an open revolt, that's what everyone else on the Philadelphia Flyers is doing because they've got a 13-game losing streak under, we haven't gotten to say it in a while, yeah. Mike Yo! <laughs> Oh, Mike, yo. Oh, as, you know, as Jeff Merrick is fond of saying, quote of Mark Twain, history doesn't repeat itself, but sometimes it rhymes. <laughs> Except with this case, history literally <laughs> repeats itself. Because my, I, think, Copy paste. I think every season of Mike Yo's coaching career, he's had a long losing streak in January. Yeah, I how think is it's that almost po- 100%. How is that possible? You can't rally the boys. This is the, probably the hardest time to play, right? Because you're in the doldrums. Yeah. And I just don't think he... I don't think that man has the I energy. I don't know. I get a five game or mm. even a seven game. How do you not just by accident win a game in 13 games? And didn't they have a 10-gamer not yeah, that long a, ago? Yeah, they had a 10-game losing so streak So are they earlier. like at the bottom of the East? They've got to be. I think Montreal still... Well, yeah, they're terrible. Still in the basement, but... How bad are you? How bad are you? How bad are you that your one of your team opponents in your division has lost twenty three games just in two chunks? Presumably, the rest of their games aren't like a five hundred record even, right. and you're still worse than them. The Flyers have thirty four points. The Canadians have twenty three. How Canadians never win. Uh, they never win, and it's not talked about enough. Oh I feel my like God. I know that they're bad, but I keep thinking, but they're like bad because they were in the cup last year. Yeah. They're not just bad, bad. But that's got to be like, like I know they have that's in- like historically bad. They have right? injuries and stuff, but I think they are on pace to do worse than the Buffalo, the McEichel Buffalo. Team. Yeah, forty six points because they're well forty. Four and a half points what, or something. What was what was Buffalo? Did they crack fifty? I think they cracked fifty. Yeah, let me look. Like if you're a what sub that, fifty point team, sixteen, seventeen, probably fourteen, fifteen. Oh, fourteen, fifteen. Who was was Mar- Matthew sixteen, seventeen? Well, you've been fifteen, sixteen. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> who was who was drafted in seventeen then? That's somebody crappy. Oh, uh, the the Heesher? New Jersey, yeah, oh, sure. Rough. Can you imagine <laughs> right after those sandwich two sandwich between those two dudes. Oh man! Yikes. Um, Arizona Coyotes. That's not who we want. Buffalo Sabers, fifty-four points. So they are decidedly underneath them. If you don't crack, what 50. was that year? The um, the Avalanche sucked. <laughs> oh my god! So the Sabers trailed the the east the atlantic with 54 points the coyotes trailed the pacific with 56 points um the oilers had 62 they went jumped up and won mcdavid yeah the colorado avalanche by contrast trailed our division and had 90 points that year. <laughs> unbelievable they were the last in the division with 90 with 90 oh points. my god we had, that was the year we won uh, we were like just short of the President's Trophy. We had 109 points. Nashville had 104. The Blackhawks 102. The Wild 100. The Jets probably didn't make the playoffs at 99 points. I guess they did. Probably is the a wild card. Wild card because the Flames had 97 and the Kings missed with 95. Can you imagine missing the playoffs with 95 points? Oh no, the 14-15. Yeah. Yeah. So then we played the Wild and we lost. Oh yeah. Oh god. That's I always remember that as the series uh, where T.J. Oshie the series that broke. Me. Well, it felt like it was the one where T.J. Oshie was like smiling when he was going down the handshake line, and I was like, "Get this fucker out of yeah. here! I don't want this dude on the team what, anymore." What was the year the Avalanche had forty eight? The year they were like just unex- oh. inexplicably terrible. Was that right before they got McKinnon, or was that car? I think was who they drafted oh, okay. that year because they still had me. Mich- no. Duchesne might have been the McCarr trade. No, Byram was the was the sorry, Byram was the Duchesne trade. <laughs> I think this was the year because it was sixteen seventeen, so it couldn't have been McKinnon yet. No, no, no. I mean McKinnon was thirteen. Yeah, I must have been McCarr. I guess I could just look out the seventeen. I mean, we ain't got Google. Um, the Flyers have not not won down it. here in Valley Park. <laughs> Flyers I don't know haven't if we won a game that earlier since December 29th. Yeah, that was Kale McCarr. They haven't won a game this year. Oh, my God. On how December do you live, 29th, they beat the Kraken. How do you live Kraken. as a Flyers fan? I don't know. Like, I mean, it was already bad. Have you, have you ever seen that meme that's somebody holding up a sign that's like, our expectations were, oh, yeah. were low, but holy fuck. <laughs> it's like, I, I think they said they're essentially going on an aggressive retool. Is oh, yeah. What, Can't uh, rebuild. Yeah, is what uh, Fletcher said. How do you not... You got I mean, your team's broken. And they said, who'd they say their core was? Couturier, um, Farabee, and... The other, what's the other K It was definitely not Konechny. It wasn't Konechny. Oh, really? For sure. No, it was... Um, Is he, like, sucking? I guess he must be. Who he must be. Oh, it was Kevin Hayes. Well, it's only Kevin Hayes because they, they signed him to that freaking contract. But that means Giroux... Atkinson obviously isn't in the core. Konechny, Scott Lawton, who they signed forever for no reason. Um, <laughs> hey, put some respect on Scott Lawton. I mean, I love my man. But uh, Ivan Provorov, they didn't name in the core. And Carter Hart, they didn't name in the core. Oh, but it's going to be... It's, it's just a, a retool. It's just a retool. <laughs> it's just, all of our young, great players aren't good enough to be considered our core. But hey, 
Hey, it's just a retool, you know? Who is the the Blackhawks were going to replace? The Blackhawks had something where they talked about the untouchables were Kane, Taves, and Jones. Yeah, I think we talked about that a while recently, but yeah. So you can just have Dabrinka. Yeah. You can just have Kirby Doc. Go for it. Whoever. I mean, they already gave up Boquist for nothing, so. so, Okay, so the Flyers, they have like a bunch of young guys coming up. I don't feel like they Cam have some York, sort of... I think, is supposed to be pretty good, but I don't think I they, they have, have like, like a, a loaded... Pipeline. Yeah. No, they suck. They're terrible. They're terribly run. Chuck Fletcher's going to get fired before that team turns it around. It has to, because he's Chuck Fletcher, so he's not going to turn it around. <laughs> he wasn't good in Minnesota. This is just... Oh, God. If you're the Philadelphia Flyers, just go watch the Minnesota Wild of, like, early last decade mm-hmm. and that's that's you you've got chuck fletcher at the helm you got mike yo behind the bench i'm sorry but it's not it's not looking up uh claude drew is going to get traded for sure he's probably going to be what colorado avalanche probably mm-hmm. um i'd take some of those forwards if uh everybody everybody there though has such a long contract right. too behind Giroux, you've got Van Riemsdyk is on two years, but Atkinson's four, Konechny's four, Lawton's five. None of their defense are on contract, which I guess is good because their defense is trash. But Hayes is five years, and then Farabee's got an um, extension through 2027-28. Ryan Ellis is being paid forever. So the Predators extended him mm. and then traded him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, because he's signed with the Predators, so there's no no trade clause there. Couturier is obviously signed forever, and Couturier, I strongly believe, one of the most overrated players in the league. Right. He's like, there, he's not he's getting so any good, results. He's so good defensively. So a, sel- a selkie winner, yeah. or or has he ever won it? He's all is the selkie contender. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's good, but he's also already 29. Like, I keep thinking he's like a young Young, guy, but he's not. That team is misery index material for sure. They're bottom of the barrel. Because they're supposed to be so proud and mighty, you know, and they aren't. This is Sean Couturier this year. That ain't good, Sean. You ain't good. (laughs) You ain't no good. (laughs) Seek help, Sean. Oh my god, that's bad. Last year was a lot, like, last year was very good, so maybe he's just having a bad year. <laughs> I was like, I swear in fantasy he's always been pretty decent. Yeah. Not this year, though. Um, man, we're going to fly through the games this year because we want to talk about the Blues this week, because we want to talk about the Blues more in depth. One last topic, non-Blues, though, this Arizona thing is just so sad. It's just pathetic. Honestly, I'm not even, we're not Arizona Coyotes fans, but like, I honestly feel like slightly insulted. Yeah. Like, really, that they're like, we're going to put this team, this team doesn't have a, doesn't have a stadium, Tucson, Tempe. Tempe has a stadium, but we don't know if you're going to be able to use it or we're going to let you be in there. So for the next three to four years, you get to play at Arizona State University's stadium of of five thousand people max that might not even be allowed to seat five thousand for some reason. Yeah, probably close to thirty two minutes. Or thirty two hundred rather. Thirty two hundred people. Imagine too, like okay, I don't I'm sure I know Tempe's a big city, but it's not Phoenix. It's not downtown Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Imagine if the if the blues like imagine if the blues were like, maybe we will negotiate a deal to build maybe We'll negotiate a deal to build a stadium in Fenton. We 
have been kicked out of the Enterprise Center. <laughs> and in the meantime, we're going to play in the Maryville Iceplex in Chesterfield. Don't you think even you and me would be like, dude, just give up. It's yeah. Just move it. I, I, this is sad. I would have no hope. I would have no yeah, hope. Yeah, this is sad to watch. It's embarrassing. Just get them out of here, please. But that would never happen to the Blues because they're a well-run organization. That wouldn't That's not always been true. Yeah. Giant caveat that that might have happened to the Blues many times throughout history, but not now. There's just other teams that even don't even have like the high level of respect in this league, you would think, among, amongst the 32 yeah. teams that this still wouldn't be allowed to happen to. You like, would, I even feel like the Florida Panthers are like, sorry, you're out of whatever, SunTrust Arena. Yeah. It's like, well, we can't have you play at, like, a college. That's, yeah. like, stupid. <laughs> like, but because it's because it's Arizona, they got to be like, well, we just got to keep... We, we will keep this team on life support forever. If they're like, yo, dude, if the only reason they're alive is because the machine's allowing them to breathe, and they're like, yep, and that's what we're going to do. <laughs> and we are the machine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh. We, the NHL, are the machine. Yeah, it's just it's sad. They gotta move. They gotta give it up. And I'm usually like, having gone through the Rams experience, I'm very usually very hesitant to be like, move the team. But like, what are you gonna do, man? I feel bad for fans that are there, but also like, I know it's always like a fun little dig at these places. But like, what what fans are there? Seriously, like, for everything they've been through, like kind of what you're saying, I'd be done already as a fan. Like, I want to like sh- this team, but I feel like I don't know if they're gonna stay here. So why bother? I'm sure they bring more than 5,000 into an average game but like they're in a point they're at a point where they can say well you know 3200 is good enough for us <laughs> like, Jesus like how can, you can't even get to that point if without it's so bad that's what it's I mean so it's like bad. if it was such a drastic jump down it would be unacceptable but it's not it's just a step down for them which is even more it's insulting worse, yeah. they're like well this isn't actually that bad compared to how we've been <laughs> so really it's just a small setback and it's like for any other team this would be catastrophic that's horrifying Ugh, I hate it so much um, so you can go see a real NHL game next year you can see Arizona Coyotes take on like a storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens at ATSU or whatever, or ASU Arena of 3,200 people. Um, cool. Like, that's, that's... tickets will be affordable. Yeah. That's the other thing. People are like, well, they can jack the tickets up to $88. No, they can't. People won't go. They can't get, they get like 9,000 people for, for chicken scratch. Yeah, right. <laughs> No one's paying to go to fucking ASU's arena. Also, they're going to be terrible. Yeah. Can you imagine if they start not selling out a college arena? Oh, God. They'll still be like, it's okay. We're fine. <laughs> They'll find a way. We're fine. It's fine. Did you know Austin Matthews is from here, though? Yeah, so it's all heard, worth it. So, oh, boy, it's pretty worth it. Poor uh, Bill Armstrong. I'm sorry, Bill. He's doing such a good job, too. Like, independent of anything else, I think he's rebuilding that team exactly how you right. have to. I feel, you had yeah. to pretty much tear it down to the absolute studs, but, like... I feel bad for that, like, hockey organization. Because yeah. it's yeah. like, we're trying to be a They're hockey They're not team. trying to, like... Yeah, exactly. Like, nobody's... Clayton Keller's not trying to suck or yeah. anything, you know? It's just... Man, it's just rough. All right, so let's dive into Blues games. And like I said, 
want to move through these pretty quick because we want to talk about the boys' kind of bigger picture. Um, but the Seattle Kraken game, Huso gets the start. Buchnevich was back for this game, but then wouldn't get to play the first game in Vancouver. That's right. Thanks, Canada. Um, our lines were Shin, O'Reilly Perron, Buchnevich, Barbashev, Tarasenko, Saad, Thomas, Kairou, Costin, Bozak, Sunquist. Uh, Mikola Pareko, Krug, Fox, Gandela, Bortuzzo. Those are less fun to think about. <laughs> but, th- dude, how loaded is our forward group right now? I saw this graphic. For yeah. some reason, like, seeing it put like this instead of just the names in a line from uh, from Bowie Sports is, like, makes it crystallize for me. But, like, my God, man. Like, obviously, Ivan Barbashev maybe isn't a second-line player. Maybe he's on a heater and he'll mm-hmm. cool down but like it's a hell of a heater if it's just a heater because it's been half a season tyler bozak and oscar sunquist and quim costin are your fourth line like man we're good i it is really deep. threw out a tweet about it and i think uh, kurt price whose perspective on history i trust said that it might be the blues best forward team ever Mm-hmm. deepest at least rather so you know pretty good uh bozak scored 554 into the first period um vince dunn still helping the blues not making a great play on that um and we love you Vinny. joey dackard is it joey i think it's joey yeah. dackard uh just really made no attempt <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> he's like i'm the kraken's fourth string goalie what do you want me to do you know he made, he made a couple good saves in this game and i was like maybe they got something yeah maybe and that's about it yeah, that's about it Braden shin scored later in the period power play goal um, it was the old slap pass, <laughs> and you know, in NHL, if you play the um, if you play the career mode like I do, be a pro, uh, it tells you like how to do certain things. I keep the on ice trainer on because sometimes it gets helpful tips, just like the very skeletal. Ones. Oh yeah, yeah. But it also like will suggest plays that you haven't made yet, and I never make slap passes, so like they go away after you do them a certain number of times. But that one's just always there. But David Braun, he wouldn't be having that problem. <laughs> um, Shin uh, deflected the rebound. It was a perfect. It was a perfect shell goal. Uh, nothing in the second. Uh, Bochinevich ices it pretty much twenty four seconds into the third. Um, well, what, oh no, 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 no! I was going to say one of these earlier ones. Oh, the Tyler Bozak one was a shorthanded goal. The Braden Shaw was a power oh, yeah, play yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. And Colton Pareko with the, uh, what's it called? A penalty shot goal. Yeah. I was thinking shootout and breakaway, and I was like, neither of those are right, you <laughs> idiot. Um, but he poked the puck off Everly's stick, sped around him to get a breakaway. Uh, Everly sort of sort of weakly hooked him, but he probably would have been able to go front hand, backhand over Dackard if he hadn't been hooked, because he almost did anyway, so... You know, you got to call it. It was a penalty shot. He moved very slowly, but got um, the goal. And I think it was the Blues' first penalty shot goal. Pareko said, "I was in between exactly what I was going to do. I guess I was kind of thinking about when it, thinking about it when I was skating down. I didn't really think about the speed. I guess it was just me and the goalie, so I just took my time." And Craig Berube said, "I wasn't sure what he was going to do, but he scored, so that's all that mattered." And when he was asked if Pareko would be part of the shootout rotation, uh, I doubt it. He doesn't take shootouts ever. He doesn't practice them, but maybe he should have that. I don't know. Seems like 
seems like Craig wasn't in a particularly jokey mood. Jordan Cairo with the final goal, making it a 5 to nothing shutout of the Kraken. Huso's third career goal shutout. At this point, he was 7-2-1 with a 9.38 save percentage and a 2.02 goals against average. Berube said of Bennington, he's a team guy and he understands the situation for sure. He's going to be a big part of what we do. I can tell you that. Just like Billy Huso is, Benner has worked hard in practice and he'll be ready to go when he gets the call again. Um, we'll talk about goalie stuff and we'll, t- we'll talk oh, we'll a lot about there. Colton Pareko later on. But we'll just keep moving for now. Uh, St. Louis Blues and at the Vancouver Canucks, Justin Falk, a good American boy, a good Hibbing Minnesota <laughs> boy. Was it Hibbing somewhere in Minnesota? Uh, ruffled the feathers, shall we say, of some over on uh, the subreddit Hockey. Um, because he said, no, I'm not looking forward to going to Canada one bit, but we'll play some hockey games and get it over with and then come back. No, I'm on a holiday. I don't think I have to test for a long time, so it doesn't bother me, I guess, because he had it. He doesn't have to test. I think they don't. once you have COVID, they don't have to test you for like 90 days, 60 days, something like that. Most of our teams on holiday, I think it just seems to be that things are going a little bit differently out there than they are here, and I like where we're at in this country. Um, got some people pissed off with those comments, but they but truthful. He ain't, he ain't <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I haven't heard I'm from the Canadians who I have heard speaking about it, including the Steve Dangle podcast, who are like pretty progressive, pretty mm-hmm. I would assume fairly liberal, are like pretty pissed that they're going through this again. So yeah. I don't think it's a lot of Canadians probably who are actually pissed at, at Justin Falk. It's probably a lot of Americans who think he should mind his own business, you know, but whatever. We don't know. Um, but it was kind of funny to me. Vancouver uh, was without many of their regular players, including Miller, Horvat, and Garland. Uh, they were without Thatcher Dimko on the backup or the back off. Yero Halak, Spencer Martin, and Artis Silvas. So that meant fourth or fifth string goalie, depending on who you asked. Michael DiPietro got the start here. He's supposed to be but good. He's a very t- highly touted prospect. I believe you wrote the notes for these mm. games, right? So you want to run through this one? What day was this? Sunday? Oh, yeah. Oh, this was yeah. when I should have been watching um, the Chiefs-Bills game. Uh, and I Everybody should have been. Apparently was, that was quite a banger of a game. Yeah, I should have been watching that. But no, I watched, I watched the beginning of this instead. Uh, Tanner Pearson scores in the first period for the Canucks. Uh, towards the end of this period here, goal gets marked down as even strength, even though it was kind of scored seconds after uh, two penalties expired for the Blues. It was a five-on-three right prior to this goal, and I think their our penalty kill, our three-man penalty kill on this one, looked really good. Huso, who I believe was in net for this one as well, looked really good on this as well. Um, but unfortunately, they just had all the momentum and was able, were able to get one in past a, a sprawling Huso right as the penalty expired. So. It was unfortunate, but it wasn't. It was okay because Justin Fox scored about two minutes later. Fox enters the zone, drops a puck to Sunquist. Sunquist kind of fired one on net as Fox drove towards the net, and this is one of these goals where I don't even know if Fox like knows what's going on, but he turns around right as the puck that, is coming by him and tips it between his legs. Dare I say, a Joe Pavelski esque 
It was, like it was it. very nice. It was so pretty. That was very nice. I wish they would have. Maybe they did ask him, but I'd love to know if he like was super duper intentionally doing this because I'm sure he was at the last second. But when he turned around, he did oh, not no, think they, there was uh, a puck going on. They did ask him in the post game interview, I think, and he definitely said something like, "No, I had, I had no idea." <laughs> Justin, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta lie, buddy. You yeah. gotta be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm the next Joe Pavelski." Haven't you? Second period starts. Braden Shen gets his ninth goal of the season. This dude is on a heater this week. Uh, it's a power play goal. Great pass from Tarasenko on this play. Krug passes the puck from the left point to Tarasenko on the outside of the right circle. Tarasenko skates in a bit. Then he wires a pass to Shen on the backdoor tap in. Looked really nice. And then Jordan Cairo also on a heater. Scores his 16th of the season uh, at the end of the second period. Tarasenko backhands the puck to Cairo At above the circles, Cairo sort of dusts it off and lets, lets a wrister go. Um, looks like DiPietro can see this one all the way, but the puck hits the knob of his stick and goes into the net. Uh, you definitely probably want to have that one back. Uh, Jordan Kyra can score from anywhere. He's scoring tight, scoring, score from a distance, score from uh, crazy-ass angles. This guy can do it all. Third period, not much going on there. Blues win 3-1. Um, from everything I just said, you'd be like, ah, perfect win. We did, <laughs> we did it. But this was a precursor to uh the next game because the blues pretty rough yeah blues were outshot 39 to 17 this game uh they had the face-off wins they were one for three on the power play were were perfect on the penalty kill four for four they had 20 blocks which is great but it also means they probably didn't have the puck a lot which again they didn't the Corsi four was in the canucks favor at five on five this game 68 percent uh, on the night that's bad the, the Canucks expected goals were 3.16 to the Blues 1.59 they out high danger chance the Blues 15 to 7 um Uso stood on his head on this one I thought the Canucks actually looked like they were all over us for most of the game at least the first period um I feel like we don't play the Canucks very well at least in recent years uh, especially in that that playoff series there but we were able to get it done. I don't know if we would have gotten it done with Horvat and Miller and, and uh, Garland. Garland, mm-hmm. who's a Blues killer anyways, yep. in the lineup. So, you know, you get you take the win, you take the points, you move on to the next game. You hope that you, you don't have such a terrible defensive showing again. But alas, uh, you do. Yeah, it was not good. I just real quick got distracted by this image of Kirill Kaprizov's dad who looks like every generic Russian mob boss in mm. film and TV. <laughs> They're all one person. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Russia, for being homogenous. Um, this was also the please, 15th... Please don't invade Ukraine. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever you're planning on doing, you specifically, don't do that. Yeah. Um, this was also the Blues' 15th comfort behind victory this year, which, again, I think is great. Shows a lot of resilience. It also makes me wonder, like, is this always going to happen? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Um, the Blues came into the game in Calgary with the same lineup. It would not last. <laughs> Uh, we got the first goal in this game. Who knew, man? Who knew? I feel like this happens. <laughs> this happens a lot, but I think you only notice it obviously when it, or you only take note when it does. Yeah, but. Tyler Bozak uh, got a goal from Sunquest and Costin. Um, oh yeah, it was a pretty nice goal. Um, but uh, you know, doesn't matter. Nikita Zadorov, uh scored um, the first of three goals in the first period that were. Partially to entirely Colton Pareko's fault. On this one, he um, was... Well, Kachuk dropped the 
Pellet puck along the boards to Zadorov, who danced into the crease, and Pareko just sort of backed off and didn't engage, but also probably screened Bennington a little bit. Uh, Bennington drifted too far to his right, arguably, but Zadorov also absolutely lasered it off the corner of the net and in. Um, Bennington also had tried to play the puck behind the net, and it just got past him, which was a bad setup for this goal. And it tends the goal spiraled. Yes, the old Steve Dangle classic. Uh, it spiraled from there. Tanev scored. This was another Pareko yike. Uh, Mikola tried to pass the center to Tarasenko, but the puck goes off his stick to Goudreau. Um, I wasn't sure if Tarasenko was trying to like deflect it right to Thomas or if it was just a rough bounce, but in either case, Goudreau had it. Um, Pareko tried the old belly flop on Johnny friggin' Goudreau, who unsurprisingly very easily dangled around him. He passed back to Tanev, who's crashing into a now completely unguarded net because Colton Pareko's on his friggin' stomach, and he redirected it home. Pareko looked terrible, Mikola looked awkward and balanced, and the back check looked slow and lazy. Then the Blues committed a too-much-man penalty, and you know what happens next. They tried a shorthanded opportunity, they lost it, and it had the, headed the other way two or three-on-one, depending on how you grade that. Kachuk carried it in as Goudreau circled around Pareko again, almost identical to the last play, except Pareko was at least standing this time, but he still didn't engage. He still didn't prevent the pass back into the slot. And this time, Bortuzzo also lost an edge and slide-tackled Bennington. And Lindholm now has an empty net to fire it into, which he does successfully. Uh, And that was pretty much the story of the game. It was awful from that point. Uh, Pareko looked terrible. We will talk about that more in a while. They did run a segment during the intermission, which was cool, where Jordan Kyrie said Sidney Crosby asked for his stack. Right. So Sidney Crosby confirmed big fan of Jordan Cairo and Oscar Sundquist. So maybe we'll, maybe he'll sign here to play out at the end of his career. <laughs> That'd be nuts. What would, that would be so weird. It would be like, I mean, he won't. He no, absolutely I'd buy like 10 Crosby jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> I'd just be like, let's do it. It's like the Brodeur thing all over again. It's just just like 16 games. <laughs> you you have a Brodeur jersey, uh-huh. and the only other one I've actually seen that I can remember is a guy in front of me had a Brodeur jersey oh, nice. yesterday, and I was like, oh. Nice, we're friends, we're brothers. Uh, second <laughs> period, Monaghan, uh, Coleman, uh, Ruzika, and Goudreau all score. Oh, made up player. to take notes on any of that. And on the third period, in the third period, Husa went in and the scoring stopped, so obviously uh, it was all Bennington's fault. <laughs> so... Um, there were some people that had that take. Lou Korak personally sh- slammed them to the ground. So good work on that, Lou. Blues outshot 48 to 21, which is actually, believe it or not, not the worst out shooting that fl- the Flames would participate in this week. Because uh, didn't they get like 64 against the, yeah, <laughs> against the against Columbus, Blue Jackets? Um, at uh, all strengths. The Flames had 70% of the Corsi for, 75% of the high danger chances, and 71% of the expected goals. It was uh, clubberin', as they say, and it was enough to get the Blues to shake the lines up. Um, Barubi, before the next game, put Huso back in, unsurprisingly, put Barbashev and O'Reilly and Buchnevich together. He um, put uh, Kyrie, he put 
Barbashev on the wing, obviously, so he could move Shin back to center with Saad and Perron. Kyrie Thomas and Tarasenko got together, and Cost and Bozak and Sunquist were still the bottom line. Mikola Pareko, Krug, Falk, and Scandella Bortuzzo were... Oh, that's right. Mikola got benched like the entire third period of the last oh, game, I oh, believe. Yeah, it didn't look very good, but he played a lot better in this game. But no benching for the guy that literally slid tackled his own goalie, right? No, yeah. Okay. You're in the clear. If you're six foot something, you're in the clear. (laughs) You were at this game. You have. You want to run through your thoughts? Yes. You weren't prepared, were you? I'm sorry. I threw it on you. I thrust it on you in the morning. I knew you were going to throw to me, and my brain was still frozen in time. I I love thrusting, you know, with no warning. (laughs) That's true. That got you kicked out of a Denny's. Exactly. Uh, Denny's our our sponsor. That's right. When you're <laughs> well, not anymore. Yeah. Not after that. When incident. you're real drunk and no one else will take you in, Denny's has to seat you. It's the law. That's right. Absolutely. All right. You want to go this game now? <laughs> First period. Uh, Brendan Sad scores his 14th goal of the season, assisted by Shane Krug. He uh, he pretty much just skates it down the left side. Goes far stri- far side on Markstrom over the left pad and under the glove. Definitely one Markstrom would want to have back. It's such a bad goal that I honestly thought for half of this game they had their backup no. in. I honestly was like, oh, that's probably the backup. And then I saw that they had a really long last name, and I was like, I think that's Markstrom down At there. At some point, too, somebody was like, well, um, Markstrom is a really good goalie, so the Blues are kind of in trouble tonight. Maybe that was before. that. I kind of wish he's on my fantasy That might have been before the first game where it was uh, after Dackard and... Um, Oh yeah, DiPietro, yeah. where they were like, "Well, we faced a couple of scrubs. Now they've got a good goalie." But see, this just goes to show: even good goalies have a bad, a bad run. That's um, right. Yeah, we said Huso is back in. Michael Backlund scores his six for the Flames this year. Uh, about four minutes later, Riley. This was a nice play that turned into a terrible play. Mm-hmm. Riley strips the puck from Mangiapane in the blue zone. A Barbashev tries to push the loose puck. Back to O'Reilly, but O'Reilly is like turning at the exact moment that Barbashev is trying to get him the puck, and uh, Barbashev's pass is like I don't know. The puck must have hit some like like an ice pile or something, some snow. <laughs> is it like just didn't move? Uh-huh. Um, so then Manjupani recovers the puck, passes over to Backland, who from a severe angle fires the puck on net. On upon like many different replays of this, I cannot quite tell how this goes in. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a good angle, but it goes in. Uh, game's tied one one. Braden Shen, though, scores his 10th. Once again, this man is on a heater. Uh, this is still in the first period. Shen corrals. This was a nice goal. This is really nice. He corrals a bouncing puck through the neutral zone. It's kind of bouncing the entire way. I think mm-hmm. he batted it out of the air. Um, he skates into the Calgary zone. It's still kind of up on its end. And I think he beats Markstrom here by putting it uh, short side on him. I think the deceptive part is when you watch this replay however many times you watch it, you watch it ten times, you still don't know when Braden Chen's going to shoot it. He kind of waits till a really weird moment, which is probably why Markstrom doesn't save it, because you're kind of like, okay, he's still going to, he's going to skate it back behind the net. No, he's about to, oh, no, fuck. And then it's like, and then it's just in. Um, it was it was a really nice goal. Second period comes, Brendan Saad scores his second of the night, his 15th of the season. It's unassisted, but really, there should be some assists for Perron and Chen, who are, Hard on the forecheck behind the Calgary net. I believe the puck gets pushed out to the front of the net into the slot, probably by a Calgary flame stick, so that's why it's unassisted. But the uh, puck moves to the slot. Zadorov is caught puck watching for the flames, and Saab puts the puck far side through Markstrom. 3 1. 
Uh, I should also mention that the like OG um, Towel Man was there that night. Apparently, according to other people, he's been to other games this year. He hasn't been to any of the games I've been at. It's been just randos doing the towel toss. <laughs> I, let me tell you, I don't care who it is tossing that, but I feel like Towel Man has not been to very many of these. Because yeah. when he came down, people were like real pumped. Mm-hmm. Way more pumped than like normal, I feel like. And I was like, oh, people know that he's like not showing up anymore. But he's back, so you know. He's a ghost. Good for him. A ghost in the machine, if you will. Third period, Jordan Cairo scores his 17th of the season. Holy cow. Uh, this, is a great, this is a great little play here. Uh, hats off to Marco Scandella on this one because he actually yeah. pinches, pinches in and keeps the puck in the zone. Puck goes back behind the net for Thomas. Thomas kind of does a little back and forth shimmy behind there. Gets the puck to Cairo in front, and then Cairo skates a little, a little arcing path in front of um, Markstrom untouched. He just waits for Markstrom to kind of flop on his knees. Markstrom does such, and then Cairo puts it in the empty net. Very reminiscent of what he did uh, to Joey Decord. Very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Such patience from Cairo. I don't know. It's just... It's kind of crazy. He's still still pretty young. I don't know, 23 or whatever it is, 22, 23, to have that much patience with the puck. Um, look this good for this long of the season. I know some people are like, eh, he might fall off eventually. I don't know, man. You see some of these goals, and I'm like, I think this dude's confidence is through the roof. He is 23 until May. Excuse me for yawning. I, uh, yeah, I, I think this guy's going to be pretty good. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> legit. Ryan O'Reilly kind of puts the game away. It's uh, 5-1 at this point. Power play goal. It's Tarasenko to Saad. Saad whiffs on it. Uh, O'Reilly gets With the Saad final the shot. Oh, yeah. This could, have been, this could have been Saad's freaking uh, hat-trick, hat trick, right. and he squandered it. This loser squandered it. Uh, O'Reilly puts it in the net. Markstrom sort of saves it. He saves the puck, but it's in the net. Uh, it's a good goal. They review it. Everything looks good. Blues win 5-1. Yeah, that was a nice game. Uh, it wasn't as nice a game statistically, but yeah. it was a nice game. Yeah, I was going to say, Flames still had the majority of the Corsi, uh, 57% to the Blues, 42 They out high danger chance of Blues, 10-4. to 4. They had more of the expected goals for. Huso uh, doing it again, some really amazing saves early on. Uh, like, folks, uh, our, our timely offense and Huso's performances are saving our bacon, and it's, like, pretty clear. I don't know. I don't think anyone's necessarily doubting that narrative, but in case you are, it's right in front of you. Um, and that's, like, fine. You can have a hot goalie. You can have really good offense. That You're winning games like that? Totally fine. But if Huso's going to... I just don't know that Huso's going to play like this for the whole season. I don't know that our offense is going to be clicking the entire time. We don't need uh, like league leading defensive numbers, but we do need to get back to like league average. Mm-hmm. I think that's my biggest problem is like the defense just looks bad, and it's like, well, your goalie is bailing you out. Your goalie is doing an amazing job here. Um, even Bennington, like I said, I don't think has been awful. I know a lot of people would completely disagree and say he's been awful. I think he's been, I think he's been not good to average, whatever you want to call it. I don't think he's just been letting in stinker after stinker after stinker. You can point to the Calgary game prior to this one and be like, well, what about that? I tell you, uh, everyone sucks. <laughs> like, I, and he didn't help the team, but no one helped him either. So I don't know. It's just like, I think they got to fix the defense before they can see what they have with anybody on this yeah. team, quite honestly. That's just how I view it. 
it's kind of like two filters, right? Defense is the first filter, goaltending is the second. And if your first filter is broken, can you really tell me if the second filter is broken? Yeah. Got to fix the first one. Yeah, but they can't. That's the problem. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I feel about this team. I can't. What's hard is I we can't define it. We just went through four games and the Blues won three of them. Uh huh. And, and our conversation is still kind of like. Ugh. I mean, but don't. So the crack, the Kraken, mm-hmm. you should beat the Kraken because yeah, yeah. they're terrible. And you did. You thoroughly beat the Kraken, and even metrically, you beat the Kraken. <laughs> Not all that convincingly for a five yeah. nothing victory, but you beat them. Then you beat on paper. You really beat the Canucks well enough. Mm-hmm. But not, not, not the underlying numbers. Yeah. Um, and then you got swamped by the Flames. And then you swamped the Flames, but not really. And it's just, I don't. I don't. I, there are times when I'm like, this team's got vibes and they're the real deal. Mm. And they're going to be fun to watch all season. And then there are times when I'm like, this team is one illusion away from total disaster. <laughs> And I don't know what to feel about um, this team. They're 27th in shots against. Mm-hmm. Five five, yeah. 19th in goals against. They're 31st in expected goals against. 31st meaning they've allowed the second most. <laughs> yep. They are 28th in high danger chances against. Again, meaning they've allowed the fourth most. They are uh, only 11th in high danger goals against. And they're third in high danger save percentage, which is the reason why. It's also something I want to point to because you can talk all you want about Billy Huso or even Charlie Lindgren, but those guys have played, what, a combined 18 games now? Mm-hmm. And the Blues have played 43? So you can't put that all on those two. got to yeah. give Bennington some credit somewhere. He's been much worse recently. Yeah, yeah. He was very good, I thought, at the start of the season. Yeah. But also recently, the team's been much worse playing around him. So it's really hard for me to assign blame. I mean, obviously, you know, I I still don't think there's a goalie controversy in the sense that like you can't your SOL, even if you even if you even if Doug Armstrong hundred percent believes Billy Husso's the long term goalie of the future and Jordan Bennington's old busted. Sorry, this is the, this is the nest you've yeah. set for yourself. The, you know, that, that's the like, tunnel I've gone down with people on Twitter. Where I'm like, okay, <laughs> if that's how you want to play it, that's cool. But now you got to get rid of Bennington because his caps hits too big, and they're yeah. like, okay, well, someone will trade for him. I'm like, okay, but he also has a full no trade clause for the next three years, mm-hmm. so he has to approve any trade. And it's like, and also, if we're gonna trade somebody, we're probably gonna have to retain on a six million dollar goalie, and so they're like, someone will want him. I'm like. Not according you to you because he yeah. sucks. According to you, he's not good. So like, That's my favorite Twitter thing is like, this guy's crap. Let's dump him on somebody. And it's like, who? Yeah. Ken uh, Holland can still only have twenty three players on the active roster. Or like, who do you want? Or what do you want for him? We'll give you a seventh. Well, no. Yeah. He's, he need, he deserves more than that. I'm like, but you just said he was garbage. And teams are like, well, yeah, but like again, it's like Edmonton will bail us out of our shitty goaltending situation. And it's like, do you not think every other fan base in the league is saying the same mm. thing? You not think the Bruins, who have three good goalies right now, are <laughs> saying, well, Edmonton will take one of them. Right. Um, you know, or you know, people for a while there wanted to trade Huso, and it's like, oh, we'll get a, a ransom for him. It's like, no, you won't. 
because there's only so many good goalies in the league, and even if there's more than 32, that means those ones can't play as starters everywhere. You know? I always think you had a Brian Elliott that took you to the third round. Yeah. And you traded him at like his highest. Uh huh. And I'm not complaining about the Jordan Kyrie return, but you got a second round pick. Right. Which is fine. In retrospect, in my head, I've learned this. That's what a goalie gets you. But I feel like a lot of people out there still think, we'll get a pretty good player for trading goalie. Yeah. Like, you will not. You will get middle round not picks. Not to mention at people best. don't trade for goalies at the deadline anyway. Yeah. So the defense is bad. The offense is real good. Uh, the Blues um, haven't had a player other than Tarasenko score. Um, 30 goals in a season since 2013-14. They haven't had uh, a 30 goals, a two-team, two-player 30-goal season since 2008-9 with Brad Boys and David Backus, the B Boys, as we probably <laughs> called them back then. Uh, right now, the Blues have five players that could hit the 30-goal mark pretty easily, uh, if you consider that we're at the midway point more or less, but mm. a couple games passed, and these players have 15-ish goals. Kairou has 17. I think he smashes past it. Buchne- I say he does it. Buchnevich has 15. I think he probably hits it. Barbashev, 15, a little more suspect. Saad, 15, maybe even a little more suspect. But Tarasenko, 14, we all know he could get six and right. f- four games, you know, and be right, right all the way to 20 already. So um, this is a team... That's identity has fundamentally changed, and their defense is bad. We I did an article at the Hockey Writers where I graded each player. I don't know if we still want to go through each of these grades. Do um, it. But you know, like we can talk about it because I think it. I think you know it was funny. I think I even messaged you while I was writing it. I was like, man, I'm really enjoying writing this article. I've got a lot of guys having great seasons, and I'm really giving a lot of good grades. And then I was like, but to be fair, also haven't done the defense yet, <laughs> uh, and it got worse. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can go through it as a matter of you know you can check me where I'm wrong. Ivan Barbashev, I gave an A plus to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I gave A pluses only when I thought that like. They were surpassing any reasonable expectation anyone could have had for them. Right. Um, and obviously, I think that's a case with a guy who has already broken his season career high in points and goals and assists. Um, and we were halfway through the season, so you agree on Ivan Barbashev? Yeah, I mean, he's having an even better season or... Yeah, it's an even better season than the season where Sunquest kind of broke out. And we were mm-hmm. like, whoa, whoa, what is this? Yeah. Um, you just could always see there's a really good two-way forward, but I think we talked about it last episode. Like He played really well offensively in the QMJHL, so like you knew he had it in him, but uh-huh. he had to adjust his game to, to fit the blue scheme and fit their lineup and play every day. And now that he's got a little more freedom in the lineup and able to move around a bit, he can kind of show off that that offensive talent. And it's it's awesome to see. I think he just gels really well with like guys like Bushnevich and Tarasenko and stuff. So A-plus to him. Yeah, um... Tyler Bozak, I gave a C because, like, what are you gonna do? I mean, would we have? Do you think we, if we knew how loaded our forward core would end up being in hindsight, do you think we sign him? Nah. Maybe though, because he's like still veteran. He's fine, but like, mm. yeah, it's hard. It's like, but he hasn't done anything wrong. He hasn't been bad. The thing is, I forgot we even signed him this year. Yeah. In my head, I was like, oh, his contract hasn't ended yeah. yet. And I'm like, oh yeah, it did. And then we just waited, waited, yeah. and waited. 
Uh, the only thing I noticed with him is that his uh, face-off percentages drop like 10 points, so maybe that's because he's old and slow. Uh, Logan Brown, B-plus, because like, nobody even knew if he'd be an a- NHL player at all, or certainly at this season, and he's at least kind of in and out of the lineup. And, and to his credit, even Ruby's like, even when he's in and out of the lineup, Ruby's like, well, I don't want to put him on the fourth line because he's got more skill than that. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's kind of like a... Kind of a backhanded compliment. Yeah. You're like, well, I'm scratching you. You're not you, good but enough it's... to actually crack the lineup, <laughs> yeah. but it's only because you're too good to be a bum. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, thanks. Yeah, you'll never play here again. Oh, okay. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich, solid A. Um, you know, I, th- I had high expectations for him. Despite the occasional tweet, we still see where someone's like, everybody hated the Buchnevich trade, which I, n- I literally don't think I ever saw one mm. person complain about. Which is remarkable in this fan base. Right. Um, in any case, uh, he's been great. You know, it's always hard to move to a new team in a new situation, and we have seen a couple players like the Krugs and Fox and such in recent memory who haven't been so great. But I think he has been. Did you take it down from an A plus because he headbutted that guy? <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. No, like, I think I only gave him an A just because like I expected him to be pretty good. So he's not like if he was on pace for like 45 oh, yeah. goals, I'd be like A plus. But, I do. I do think it's pretty amazing that he kind of just fit right in because I really thought maybe it's the Justin Falk yeah. previous seasons where I'm like, eh, it's going to take a little bit. And I'm sure people will be like, was he really that good? And I'm like, just wait, just wait. But it, to be right off the bat, be like, yep, he's there's a reason we traded for this guy. I was like, oh, that's. That's quite nice. Yeah. Dakota Joshua, the cutoff, by the way, was anyone who played 10 games or more. Uh, I gave a B because it's like a guy we picked off the scrap heap that we never necessarily even expected to be Mm -hmm. an NHL guy. And he's like, fine, when he's in there. You Mm -hmm. don't necessarily want him to be in there. I think Baruby probably does like almost every game. But, you know, he's been fine. He talked to Garrett that one time. Yeah, he did. He did do that. That's true. Quim Costin got a C because I just don't know what he is still. I don't, like in a way he's like impressed me a little bit. He I'm might like, be okay. a B. Yeah, yeah, I thought about actually giving him a B, but it's like if anything, I'm like a C plus just because I'm like, hey, you're on you're on the team relatively consistently yeah. now. You're not quite what people expected or mm-hmm. hoped, but you have worked your way and but I you have worked in your regular wormed your way into the lineup. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch! Yeah. You really wormed your way in. Um, yeah, but he's like consistently in the lineup and i didn't even know if that was ever going to happen yeah um he's and he's got a nice edge and he's a bigger player so i think even putting him on the fourth line where again you'd kind of hope you could put him on the third line or he'd have has a skill for that um it is still nice that he can fit in that kind of muckery grinder role mm-hmm. yeah exactly um jordan Cairo, i should pro- probably should have given an a plus similar sort of thing where it was like I still expected him to be a very important player and he's Mm. been a very important player but probably deserved now that he's an all-star and well on pace for 30 goals he probably should have been an A-plus but uh, I love that picture of him at the Winter Classic he's just with the ripped pants and everything he's just a stud um, man, I'm just like, that's the one part where it's like, even if I wanted to brag on this team a little bit, it's like thinking about Thomas, Kairou, Buchnevich, yeah. you know, even Costin and Brown, like, you know, that young core forwards that we've got for years to come. I'm just like, all right, mm. no, something's going to be okay. Right. I know. I'm like, at least we're good enough where like you have to fix something where it's like, well, we can't let this defense suck. Yeah. Because then we're never like, then we're just wasting these guys. At least that would be my hope is they're like, we've got something special here. We got to fix what's broken. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, James Neal, C minus. Like he hasn't he hasn't done anything, right. but like we probably hired him to be a locker room guy, and it's almost kind of a win that he can now be a taxi set squad guy. But who cares? Uh, this is a controversial one. I think I think Ian's gonna fight me. I think he's gonna throw stuff at me. I gave Ryan O'Reilly physically a, fight. I you. think I gave Ryan O'Reilly a D, and I was very explicit within the article to be like. Only because he has set such high expectations for himself and he's fallen to earth a little bit as a Blues player this year. He's still very good defensively. He hasn't done much offensively. It's hard to know to what extent it's COVID-related, probably some to a lot. Um, But I wanted to be... I wanted... You have to have at least one edgy grade in there, you know? Gotta get the clicks. Steven just does it for the clicks. Oh, I do everything for the clicks, baby. I'm all about it. Uh, I'm about it, about it, You just gave him a D for dynamite, right? Yeah. You're like, this guy is dynamite. (laughs) That is right. I was gonna say, I think... I mean, more recently... He has been better yeah, production-wise. Yeah, he's definitely improving, for sure. What is he at now? In the last one, the last six games, he's got seven points? So that's, like, better. Yeah. That's, he's getting there. Um, but, yeah, no, I You ag- can do it, Ryan, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'd agree. I mean, at very least, I think i give him a C, just because it's like, yeah, you're not, like, necessarily hurting mm-hmm. the team because we have other people kind of stepping in your place and scoring. But, yeah, when you have the standard that Ryan O'Reilly set for himself here in St. Louis... Both as just like a, how much he scores, plus being the captain, you kind of just expect a little bit more from him. And I think he's slowly but surely getting to that point. Maybe he's maybe he's inherited the David Backus uh, itis. Do you remember David Backus used to like not do anything yeah. for like forty games, uh-huh. and then the last forty games is like David Backus on an eighty goal pace. <laughs> uh, it was like for some reason he just like hibernated and hibernated. There's a there's a a Pokemon thing. What do they call those things? It's not a move. It's like an ability. It's a thing that's just kind of like in the background for oh, them. We're like, um, hey, if it's if it's raining and you do double damage or whatever, the spoken one does like called? double damage. I think it's ability. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, or like nature or something like that. Yeah. There's some there's some Pokemon that are so crazy ass strong that you're like, well, this is broken. They're like, well, it's not because for the first six moves. They their power is cut in half. Uh-huh. So that's that's David Backus ran around. I have to make a request. No more Pokemon references. No. no. <laughs> For everyone. Two, You've gotten emails. Twice as many Pokemon references. No, I have to make a request that Twitter figure out a way to stop allowing celebrities to trend when they're not dead and there isn't even particularly a news story about them. Mm. They've just been tweeted about a few extra times. I saw a trend for Jeff Goldblum and I said, I swear to God, I'm I'm leaving the planet if we lost Goldblum out of the blue. But he's completely fine and there's not even news. He's just, people are just appreciating Jeff Goldblum, which you should be at all times. (laughs) I'm not arguing with that. I'm just arguing with Twitter allowing me to think that, uh, that something might have gone wrong, and then I read a story below that about Dolly Parton, and then I literally, I would, that would be the end of me. That's we already had our rule of three. We already have Betty White, Meatloaf, right. and uh, Louis Anderson. Yeah. So Dolly is my queen. So if you, you know, when if we, death messes with Dolly, when we lose her, it's gonna, it's gonna be a rough, rough day for old Steven. Uh, David Perron, C plus. It's one of those things where it's like if you're grading him against being a, a literal point-per-game player last year, he's been pretty disappointing. But if you're looking at him as a 33-year-old making just $4 million a year, he's been great. So, like, 
That's kind of like you got to fall on the second half. Oh man, is he done? He's yeah, done this after this season. Year, but I mean, he's got him. Can we just give him the same back, one? Right? Yeah, just give him the same four by thing. four again. Hey, you want to sign it for the third time? You like that? Come on, back. Brandon Saad. It's hard because he he's looked better the last four or five days. Right. So that's probably makes me feel better about this. He was very Cy Young there for a while. He had like. 13 goals, 5 assists or something, mm-hmm. and he's kind of even that out. His defensive metrics are bad. <laughs> he finds a way to put the puck in the net, and I think you got to appreciate that a little bit. But when I say bad, they're bad. <laughs> I know the other day you said you were blown away by his voice, and even in my oh. head, I was like, Stephen, I think I've heard him speak before. It's not that weird. And I listened, I was like, no, it is pretty weird. His defensive metrics are bad. Oh, yeah, they're like... <laughs> This is a player card feature on Evolving Hockey. It's got like a very red. It's it's got like a shell like ninety. I think it goes to ninety nine player rating for offense, defense, and overall. And his defense is a five, so they're bad. (laughs) Thirty seven overall, which is is probably probably not what you want for a player you're paying five point five million to or whatever. But you know he's got sixteen, fifteen goals now, so it's kind of like hard to. Uh, but yeah, his voice was so weird. It's funny. I've seen a couple of times recently. I've been watching Technique Critique a lot and similar things. And I've seen a couple of different things where they talk about how um, Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, not, <laughs> not Joseph not, Lincoln, yeah, not to be confused with Tyler Lincoln uh, from First Dylan, Bank. Dylan but, Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Abraham Lincoln was described, we don't have any recordings of him, but he was described as having like a high reedy voice. I'm always like, I don't know what a reedy voice sounds like. And then I heard Brandon Sod and I'm like, now I know what a reedy voice sounds (laughs) like. You're like like Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. You're the Abraham Lincoln of this team. You know what? I think so. I think there are a little, I think there's some similarities. Brandon, Brandon, I can't speak. Brandon Saad, the great emancipator of the St. Louis Blues. I don't know what that means, and it's probably insensitive. (laughs) I'm going to say it anyway. Braden Shennessee, he's been fine. Um, He's a player. I didn't want to judge too harshly because he's been a little slow, but it's also he's in the post post effects of COVID. And as you pointed to, he's been on a heater lately. So I'm willing to write it off as that. Oscar Sunquist, I gave a B minus to. I think people probably would have been like, probably would have argued for a lower grade, but he's coming off the ACL and he's healthy and he's playing every game. Yeah. So it's kind of like... Give him time. Yeah. He also doesn't have to play as big a role anymore, I feel like, as maybe he once did. Yeah. So that's okay. Tarasenko, I went ahead and gave an A plus because... While you could argue that he's a superstar playing like a superstar again, and A-plus is a bit of a stretch, considering the offseason, considering that he had, um, I wrote it somewhere in here, he had, um, where is that, where is it? Uh, He had seven goals across 34 games across the last two seasons. So he played 34 games in two years' time, but it was actually probably more than that because of all the COVID interruptions. And then to come back like this and look completely healthy, look, you know, like his old self. And also on top of that, to be completely the right attitude about the trade, not causing any fuss, not generating any headlines. I almost forget about it until I'm focusing on him. And then I'm like, please don't leave me. But like, he really, I just think, deserves recognition. And even if he still does leave, I just think we should appreciate him for everything he's done. And hopefully it won't be a bitter 
bitter departure. Oh, man. Yeah, it's so hard. It's, I was so ready to lose him. Like, I didn't want to. But I was like, well, that's just the way it's going to be. And now I'm like, please don't. Yeah. Please just stay. Yeah, Robert Thomas gave an A minus. People will be outraged. Uh, but I said he'd finally taken the step many expected for a long time. The most creative and dynamic playmaker on the Blues and his reputation will quickly spread across the league. But he only earns an A- minus as opposed to Kairou's A because he continues to hesitate to shoot the puck. He sometimes opts for passes even when he's behind the defense and alone on net. To be a truly top forward in the league, he still needs to find enough scoring touch to push for 20 goals a season. Even a 50 to 60 assists per season is very much within his ability. And Ian, I'm just arrogant enough that for a second while I was reading that, I thought, man, whoever wrote this, pretty good. (laughs) Well, just, I mean, we've talked about this before, but just so you know, so people don't know that's only Steven. I'll listen to old podcast episodes, and when we say something that we find amusing, I will laugh along with my recording, uh-huh. <laughs> and I'll be like, I'm glad we both found this yes. funny. <laughs> but future me and past me both found it funny. Uh, and now it's in the defense, real real sad. Robert Bortuzzo, <laughs> C-, minus. he's been... Okay, what do you expect from Robert Morris? Right. <laughs> really? I'm like, you're going to see him at up. Clark MacArthur's bakery or whatever. What's he called? Uh, Nathaniel, Nathaniel <laughs> Reeds. I got, we got sandwiches from there today. Excellent. Go, go you try went there them. again today? Yeah. Where are they? Uh, they're on Manchester. You just go for lunch whenever. Oh, you no, know, no, 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 no. Arlene went and got stuff this you morning should. for breakfast, you and then should, she though. got the, oh, okay. the sandwiches. Oh, look at her. But they're on Manchester? Yeah. Are they in that weird. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to say, are they in that weird plaza where nobody goes with, like, the Burlington at 270? But obviously they're not. No, you know where, But like, what is in that plaza? <laughs> you know, there's, like, a... So there's that Circle 7 Ranch thing that's, like, up yeah. off of... Up by you. But uh, then there's another one on Manchester. In De Pere? Yeah, right? Yeah. It's, like, a little past that. that. Okay, so technically Kirkwood. Do you yeah. know where, like, there used to be a pasta house down that way? Mm-hmm. It's like on the other side. Oh, okay. All right. I'll have to Does check that, it out. Does this help at all? Oh, well, yeah. It's like by Geyer. Yeah. Geyer okay. in Manchester, yeah, I think. Okay. And that's where you saw Robert Cortez? That's where I saw him. I saw him back there. You know, hockey players are deceptive because they are fit. Uh-huh. But they don't look that much fitter than like a guy that goes to the gym a lot. Just yeah. a regular guy that's like, I go to Until the gym. You see their bottom. Oh well, yeah. Until you see their trunk. If he had his shorts up a little higher, you know. Oh yeah. Tree trunk, tree trunk thighs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> Justin Falk <laughs> B. I think Justin Falk B is like that's that's Justin that's Falk. Justin Falk. <laughs> You're like, is that a number one defense? Like, not really. You're like, was he bad? Well, no. Oh, he's a B. He's, he's a, a B. Solid B. Uh, yeah, basically my argument was better than his first season, worse than his second season. Fine. It's a B. And Tory Krug, I gave an A- minus to, which I'm sure some people hated. But here's the thing. His offensive metrics, friggin' off the charts. Insane. Outperforming Kale McCarr at even strength in several key categories. Really, really good. His defensive <laughs> metrics, not so good. And here's the thing. You may be disappointed by that, but if Doug Armstrong, Armstrong is disappointed by that, Doug Armstrong's an idiot because that's who Tory Krug is. So that's you what can't they you can't buy a square peg in free agency and then just smash it into a round hole and be pissed that he's not fitting, you know. And I don't think, for the record, that Doug Armstrong is, but right. fans clearly are, and I don't get it really. You're gonna see him make boneheaded plays, and if he's still one of the best power play quarterbacks in the league, guess what? You shouldn't care. Yeah, I was like, I don't know how as a Blues fan, especially this year, he's been pretty rowdy. 
Uh-huh. Like how you don't like just that aspect of it. He's yeah. laying people out. He's getting in people's faces. I think, what do you say? Is he a penalty minutes leader? It's I think, true. I think oh, he is. Unbelievable, yeah. Um, what is he at? He's at 30. Yeah, I believe it. Um, but yeah, like he's also got, what is that? 25 points. He's got six goals this year. Like that's, he's on pace to score more than he has since like 17, 18 or up to that much. He had like 14 goals then. So, I mean, like you said, he's doing work on offense. You got to see this uh, Roberto Longo tweet real quick. Um, but yeah, Tori Krug, I feel like he's been solid, you know, and, and he's better, obviously better than he was last year. Um, and what do you expect? Like, here's the thing. We'll get to it. I'm just going to skip ahead. Colton Pareko is the problem with the defense. I'm not. I'm sorry. He just sorry is. everyone. Real quick for people, you can't see it because it's a visual medium, so you have to look it up. But Ryan, uh, the, close your eyes. The, the, <laughs> what's his name? Roberto Luongo. The Roberto Luongo tweet is uh, me when hearing the Buffalo Sabers have zero healthy goalies at the moment, and it's just a guy in a park doing a lot of like knee and hip exercises which really look like goalie exercises but i assume he's not just a goalie out there but it's pretty awesome he's a football oh it says soviet visuals so maybe maybe this is how they train over there on the grass um but in any case i thought that was funny but yeah um so I gave Nico Mikola a B plus because he seems to be getting better, and he wasn't even wasn't even starting at the start of the season, and now he's playing twenty minutes a night. So you can't be mad at him, even if he's not great yet. Yeah, but um, I think he's making strides. I mean, yeah. there are some nights where I think he looks pretty good. Yeah, the the night against Calgary was bad, but yeah. I, I think you tweeted it well, and it's like even if we were fine, even mm-hmm. if we are fine, some. Sometimes even good teams just have shitters, you know. Yeah. And like at the very le- at the best, that's what that was. Right. Uh, Colton Perico, man, I gave him a D. I should have given him an F. He's so bad. He's not good. He's just not like he's not. I think it's if like Colton re- Perico was a second pairing guy that was making four point five a season. Mm. He'd be completely fine. But we once again, as we ha- always honestly, have, honestly, even if that was the case, I'd still be like, "Well, we probably need like an improvement there." Probably, like, yeah. But it's not a glaring thing. But I think it's as simple as even you just look at like his stats. Like he doesn't score. Okay, well maybe he defends well. Don't do that either. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I'm always surprised that his metrics defensively are like okayer than mm. I thought. That they're not like good, and he's. Even if he was, even if he was a shutdown, shutdown defender, right. you'd still have to understand that a shutdown defender alone is not a modern day number one defenseman, and he's he ain't got no offense, never has had, never gonna have. <laughs> um, he might if he hit if he ever hits forty, it'll be a f- bloody miracle. Because <laughs> I mean, he's hit thirty five twice, and those right. seem like unbelievable to me. So like. And listen, this isn't crap on Colton Pareko time, but we have cast him for his entire career as like a some sort of Alex Petrangelo replacement. And he's just not. And we went ahead and we took the gamble on the extension. And listen, I totally get why Doug Armstrong did it. Because left and right, you're seeing guys, right-handed defensemen, sign massive 
tickets, mm-hmm. to use the 32 thoughts phrase that I hate, but still <laughs> am tempted to use. And uh, you see the Seth Jones trade. You see Zach Orensky signed for a gajillion dollars. All these guys are signing. Kale McCarr signs. And obviously you have the fear. Is that violin? Uh, no, it's a ukulele. Oh, it's a ukulele. Okay, sorry. It's a really big thing for ukulele. Folks, I'm in a new environment and I pretty queerly have ADD. (laughs) You're going to have to forgive me. Um, But. (laughs) Someone's going to think a a ukulele walked in the room. Is that a ukulele? It did. Is that a ukulele walking in the door? Uh, Well, technically, I asked if it was a violin. So, you know, that was my assumption. Um, He. We signed the deal because we saw all these guys signing big extensions. And you're probably thinking, if you're Doug Armstrong, like, hey, we need this guy. We can't let him go. Uh, we can get him now for cheap because he's coming off the back injury. And if he explodes next year, he's going to cost 8 or $9 million on the open market. You're thinking about that. And I get, I get why you take the gamble. It was never a good gamble to take, man. He's a 29-year-old defenseman who probably already didn't deserve $6.5 million a season, who had a bad back. Back injuries are notoriously difficult to solve. There's basically no, like, with a back like injury, fix. there's no fix. It's just like, hey, we've got it managed for now, mm. and try not to screw it up again. And who knows? You'll never know. That's the thing. You'll never know with Colton Pareko if it's a back injury or if he's just not playing well or what it is. He looked terrible against... Calgary. And again, I don't blame him as a person. And I, I like Colton Verrigo. I'd love to see him succeed, but we've cast him in this position that he is clearly not right for. And now we've got a, a top three that is $19.5 million against the cap for the next six years plus. Um, six years, I guess. I think both Falk and Krug come off in six years. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe Kruger, maybe Falk has one more, but in any case, um, you've got him all that time, and it's not a good defense. So you've made this mess. There's no easy solution, and I'm sorry, Jacob Chikrin just doesn't come in and fix it. Right. You know, maybe if you had, I don't even know who on the left side would be that guy, but if if that guy exists, you ain't trading for him. I'll tell you that much. And it's like if Jacob Chikrin comes in, then you're spending. $23 million on your top four, and it's still probably not, it's probably maybe league average at best. Mm-hmm. That's not okay for $23 million for a top four defense. Mm-hmm. Even if you get Scandella out in the Chikrin deal, which you pretty much have to, it's like, I don't know. It's rough. I It's, it's so hard because <laughs> I just don't know what they do, and the problem is that it's super clear that this is the problem. Yeah. The defense is the problem. I mean... Again, you can talk about it being the whole team, like the team needs a back check harder and cover the Carmelli ice better and stuff. But I also thought actually our forwards looked pretty good in that aspect against Calgary, and our our defensive metrics are still bad. So yeah. like, I really do think it starts from like that those three pairings outward, and they're just not very good defensively. And like you said, the biggest thing that sticks out is. Preco because he's the one that's on a contract that doesn't match his performance currently of the of the big three, um, and can you can you move that? Does Dar- does Doug Armstrong even want to move that? Or do you get to replace that? Um, it's hard, I, and my fear is that because we are doing fine as a team, that this is going to be glossed over. 
and then it's eventually going to bite us in the ass when our goaltending is back to you know being human and our offense maybe gets countered by i don't know a team that's very good defensively or something like that and it's just like oh we suck Mm -hmm. you know like I would just like us to have league average defense. But like you said, you also can't go out and spend a shitload of money to be like, hey, everyone, we're 15th in the league now. We're spending 24 to 25 to $26 million on the top four. And you're like, oh, well, that's not good. <laughs> um, and yeah, there isn't like a clear answer. A lot of like when we needed a left-handed partner for Petrangelo it was written everywhere that's yeah. Jay Bomeister and that's your guy mm-hmm. but now there's no there's nobody out there that's like a clear fit there's not a UFA that's out there and there's not someone that's a team's willing to trade yeah. right now that we know of so maybe that becomes apparent next year the year after that something but like right now it's kind of like well you just gotta be better and I honestly I will say this I think your best option right now is just plop Scott Perunovic out there and see how he does. Like some combo yeah. of Perunovic and Mikola, you because you cannot spend more on this defense unless you are just rock solid sure it's a fix. Mm. You cannot go out and pay an arm and a leg for Jacob Chikrin and just hope that he makes your defense better because he won't. He's well, it's not. Like- they got to because you, you can't do that and just come back the, with the same performance. The last thing we need is like another questionably defensive, <laughs> offensive defenseman. And here's the thing. And I, I, I really, he's he's been fine all season, I think. But if you go out and get Jacob Chikrin and that's your defense now, please, please let Craig Berube walk. Please let him walk because... This ain't for him. This team ain't for him. <laughs> if you have four, if you have three offensive defensemen and a shell of Colton Pareko as your top four, and you have nine lines of superstar forwards, you should probably find a coach that's more fit to co- coach for the modern high-scoring, high-tempo, high-puck control game. Because that's how we—that's how we need to learn how to defend. Is we need to keep control of the puck. We can't dump and chase. We can't have certain at middle ice we've just got to control the puck and we're not doing that right now on our worst days and who knows if it'll continue uh, i gave perunovic a c plus because again he's been fine he made yeah. the lineup is he's, he injured now he's like he hasn't has been, been playing yeah. in a while. he had covid maybe and now maybe is a little hurt but i think he'll be back soon walman a c because again fine and uh marco scandal enough he's been real bad <laughs> Uh, Bennington I gave a D and Huso I gave an A plus which I think is a good transition to talking about that whole situation before we close up here Huso was the second star of last week stopping 97 of 101 shots um, and to go 3 and 0 with a shutout um, was pretty good Jordan Bennington was pretty bad Kevin Woodley, however, the goaltender whisperer, if you will, had some thoughts about the situation. This was maybe before the Calgary goal? Or before or was the... it the night of the Calgary goal? Oh, yeah, before the Canucks game. Um, oh, wait. No, this was during the Flames game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Intended to post numbers about Blues goalies going into game against Calgary, but got busy with news here in Canucks land. Given how game is going, however, and what I saw in my timeline regarding Huso Bennington yesterday, quick thread on the noise surrounding St. Louis 
crease. First, whoso is on a hitter, on a heater, in parentheses, no shit, Sherlock, per CSA Hockey, his adjusted save percentage after last night's win over the Canucks, tops the NHL among goalies with greater than 200 shots at 5.2%, so he's earning his playing time. But is also a defensive difference in environment worth noting? Uh, Bennington went into tonight's no-show with a two, plus 2.1 save percentage differential, which is 7th in the NHL, a fraction below Tristan Jari and ahead of names like Frederick Anderson, Jacob Markstrom, Thatcher Demko, and Jack Campbell, Campbell, several of which get Vesna buzz. Bennington, however, also has the second lowest expected save percentage in the NHL going into tonight at 871, only Jonas Corpusalo is lower at 869 among regulars. It is 12 points lower than Huso, who has the 10th toughest environment among the 59 goalies to meet that 200-shot threshold. Let me repeat that because it's important. Bennington's expected save percentage is 871, 8.871. It is second lowest in the NHL among starters, and it's 12 points lower than Huso, who has the 10th toughest environment among the 59 goalies to meet that threshold. So Huso isn't getting great Mm -hmm. defensive support, but it's still 12 points better than Bennington. It's probably not getting help tonight either, a start you normally expect a backup to have to slog through because it was the second game of a back-to-back. And hey, Huso has played so well, maybe he deserves not to have to. That's for others to decide, not really the point of this thread, so what is? Bear with me for one more. For all the noise surrounding the Blues goalies, Bennington is also still performing at a really high level this season. If any narrative should end, it's that St. Louis defends well, but numbers show it's been worse for Bennington, and that's part, but not all, of the difference. Um... And I think that's it. I think I you have to start Huso right now. That mm-hmm. ship has sailed. Yeah, that's that's the. There's no more whenever there's like a goalie controversy. I think if the controversy is who do you start, that's over. It's just Huso right now. Um, but eventually you got to work Bennington back in here and there and build up his confidence again. And I mean, I think people have been right when they've said, and obviously I think from what Kevin said here, it looks to be true statistically. They play better in front of Huso. They look like they physically defend better and they don't play as well in front of Bennington right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a psychological thing. He's not, you know, he's not getting us the saves we need. But it's like, I don't know. You just have to be, you just have to be better. You have to be consistent between the two of them. Um Obviously, Bennington can do some of his part by actually, you know, stopping some shots early that, you know, maybe bolster the team a bit here and there for sure. But like I said, I think if it's the difference is do we move Bennington? Do we fix Bennington? What the fuck do we do with Bennington? Versus like, how do we fix this defense up? How do we defend better? I think it's got to be the latter because that's the thing that's in front of your goalie. If you start playing better in front of him, and he still looks like crap, mm. then we can have that conversation of like, whoa, that's this is not good. But, like, as long as you're defending poorly in front of him, I don't know that I can sit there and be like, well, he's got to figure it out first, and then we'll see what's going on with the D. It's like, no, be better as a team in front of him. Give him only the low-chance shots or whatever, and if he's making those saves, then that that was part of the problem. Even if you want to say Bennington was always a system goalie and was never extraordinary on his own, Mm -hmm. he was a pretty good system goalie. We have a Stanley Cup for it. Mm. And I'm not, that's not all on him, but it also sure as hell didn't happen without him. Mm. So, you know, and 
that maybe there were similarities. Maybe that's, you know, a similar story of like, well, the team was rallying around the younger guy then too, so we should just stick with the younger guy and whatever. But like, I don't know, you know, you just can't, what I refuse to stand for is people out here dragging Jordan Bennington. Like this is fault is his fault. Like Mm -hmm. he could have done anything to fix that Calgary game. Mm -hmm. You know, like even if he'd made a couple key saves, it would have been four to one, five to one. They would have just scored other goals Mm -hmm. instead of the ones they scored. Well, that's the thing is like for people that don't, that are on Bennington's butt at this point is really like if he saves two or three of those and like you said, they lose four to one, do you feel better? And you go, well, Bennington really kept them in this game. You know, you go, no, now you're angry that it was 4-1 or whatever. Yeah. And again, like like Miko Koskinen, uh, Jordan Bennington can't score goals for you. So what are you supposed to do in that case? Yeah. I just... I would normally side on the callous side of being like, hey, you know what, just play what works and if he sucks now, then get rid of him sort of thing. But like, there is something to be said about like having confidence in someone and sticking with someone and not just throwing them away the minute that they start to struggle mm-hmm. um on top of that doing that to the goalie that like essentially got you a stanley cup so i don't know it's just it's just crazy to me how quick people jump at it like well he just can't start he needs to be the backup now we spent too much money on him blah 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 and it's like let's just slow our roll just a little bit let's be happy that we have huso because if we didn't uh, we'd be in a load of trouble. We would not have won like half of those games then. Yeah. Um, but I think you just got to, I don't know what it is. We play Winnipeg on tomorrow. We play Winnipeg tomorrow. Um, Matinee game. Yeah, 2 o'clock. And then we don't play for like till, 10 days. till like February 10th, 10th yeah. I think it is. Um, and then we're going to play a lot. Do they play Bennington tomorrow? I think. I think they probably have to. I think you have to, because yeah. the because you can spin the off day the <coughs> off days positively in both directions. Mm-hmm. I think you win a game, now you're now you get to be on top of the world for ten days. You won you won the game, you win at whatever four two whatever. You made some big saves, awesome. You have confidence for ten whole days to build it up. You lose the game, now you have ten days to like cool, just take it easy, cool off, mm-hmm. get your head right, and then you know take it as it comes once you get back to play. Yeah. I think they gotta go. When we come back on the tenth, we play New Jersey, Chicago, (laughs) Ottawa, and then Montreal. So if there's a get right portion of our season for Jordan Bennington or anyone else, that's almost certainly going to be it. Um, So maybe that's your argument: is like we're going to start Huso in this tougher matchup. Although Winnipeg not that good this year, right. but we're going to start Huso because he deserves it. He's earned it, and then when we come back, Bennington start, 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 start because if, I can see that if he can't if he can't beat those guys, then you do really just have to bench him. And you <laughs> that's know, so like, that is so true. Like know? oh my god, I mean so yeah. maybe that's your argument, but um, I'd like to see him start tomorrow because that's. Like, winning or losing that game doesn't matter as much as answering that question a little bit. That, and I think you just got to get the... You got to get the the Calgary game taste out of your mouth. Like, obviously, you as a team just beat them, but you got to just get a win, get some... Lose 3-2. I don't care, but get something where he has some sort of semblance of a regular performance so that you're like, okay... I didn't just get slogged seven to one again, and that's what I gotta sit with for like the next ten days. You gotta give him something, 
And again, it's Winnipeg. I don't think they're they aren't playing that well this season. Yeah. You don't necessarily need like your greatest goaltending performance of all time to beat them. Yeah, exactly. I think I'd start him, but I'm not Craig Berube, so who knows? I was like, yeah, if they start Huso, I'm not going to be like, what? <laughs> How dare you? Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Um, I feel like there was some sort of thing, Stephen. Like, what are your predictions for tomorrow's? Wrestle, I won't keep on saying WrestleMania, Royal Rumble. Oh, okay. Well, we're supposed oh, to talk about oh, this more. Oh. Real quick, because it's related to hockey or whatever. And so last night at the second intermission, uh-huh. now they normally always do this weird thing where they put people in bubbles. Have you seen this thing? Mm-hmm. Where the their legs yeah, are sticking yeah, yeah, yeah. up. And they make them smack into each other. Sometimes it looks like they definitely get a concussion. <laughs> probably. Even yeah, though they're probably. very uh-huh. safe in the bubble. Last not. night they did a thing where they put two people <clears> in the middle the like circle in the middle of the face off mm-hmm. they go now you both have to push each other out of the ring like like royal rumble then when someone falls out we bring another person in it's a line of like 10 yeah, people okay and whoever's whoever's left standing on the, the very ice end, yeah yeah with no bubble no with the bubbles oh, okay. or whatever it's like <laughs> that seems dangerous helmets bubbles the whole thing you would but, have like, to sign all sorts of waivers the weird like non-slip shoes yeah um whoever's left standing gets four tickets to royal rumble oh nice so they have these two ladies in there. Uh, this lady knocks out the other lady. Second person comes in. She knocks out the first lady. And then this third woman stays in there for everybody. And she, on one of these people, because they're not even doing this very, very professionally. Uh-huh. They're just bringing, they're like, come on, come on, bring another one. <laughs> and this one lady gets like two feet in and this lady just slams her out. And they were like, uh... You gotta let her go in, and then they were like, "Oh no, I'm here. Okay, she's out." <laughs> the poor woman got two feet in, and get knocked right out. They get all the way to the end, and then this dude knocks her straight out, and he wins oh, no. at the very end. And it was so funny. That's the loudest I think I heard that place aside from goals. People are going crazy. Yeah, that's funny. It was so funny because this lady was like, re- I don't know if she really wanted the tickets or just like knocking people out. But, like, when they fell over and they were on their side, she'd, like, run over and start kicking them out of the circle. I was like, wow, she's really into this. <laughs> and then she lost. That's dope. Yeah. Um, so, predictions for the event. I would say spoiler, but it's not a spoiler because I don't actually know. <laughs> um, I think Royal Rumble's the best event of the year as far as I'm concerned. Survivor Series could be, but they bastardized it. So, Royal Rumble or bust for me. And then, obviously, WrestleMania is its own thing. But Royal Rumble right. sets up the WrestleMania. So, kind of the four big matches are the two title matches and the two Royal Rumbles. Roman Reigns is obviously going to beat Seth Rollins. That's a given. Is Seth Rollins still a heel? Yes. So, it's a heel but on kind heel? Of, like, I guess in this feud, he's kind of supposed to be the face. Right. But also, everybody also likes Roman as a heel. So, it's like... Who cares? Sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but he's obviously going to win because, first of all, Seth's not even on that brand. And secondly, you know, whatever. My bolder prediction is I think Bobby Lashley will beat Brock Lesnar, whether there's some sort of interference or something. I think Bobby Lashley's going to beat him because um, Brock. So at the last event, I'll, t- I'll explain this all more to you off the air. But at the last event, it was supposed to be Brock versus Roman in the main event. Roman got COVID before the event. Yeah. So instead of just being like, hey, we'll have that huge marquee match at our next big massive pay-per-view. Right. They were like, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll put Brock in the Raw title match, which he has no right or reason to be in, and he'll win it. And screw the guy we built as our new huge 
you know, well, yeah. we haven't built him very well, but is supposed to be the new babyface champion on Raw. So that's how they think because they're dumb as shit. But anyway, <laughs> because of that, because Brock's now like a has this unsettled feud with um, Bobby Lashley or with Roman Reigns over here, and B has Bobby Lashley's title or like not really Bobby Lashley's title because he's not the guy that had it last, but the Raw title. I think they'll have Bobby Lashley win it, and then they'll have Brock win the Royal Rumble so that they can tease the like, well, which of these guys, both of whom he doesn't like, is he going to choose fight for a few weeks, which they mm-hmm. always like to do. I think that's stupid. I always think <laughs> you should use the Royal Rumble to like establish a new guy rather right. than like just. Build up, build up that's some guy big. that's already more over than anyone in your entire company, but they'll have Brock win anything. So that's my expectation. <laughs> it's partially like, you know, like stealing myself for that <laughs> outcome. But I guess the only positive of it is that they'd have to give Bobby a win over Brock, which is cool. So um, that's my prediction for the men's matches. The women's match, I got no idea. Oh, the other thing about the men's matches is so. You know, part of the Royal Rumble is always like the surprise entrance. Yeah. Um, and they have they did this thing this year where they've I want to get too nerdy, but basically they've invited someone from another company who's like actively employed with another company for the first time in probably two decades. They used to do this a lot when they had a leaner roster, you know, and there were like territories still and they'd just bring a couple people in to just like fill out a ring of 30 people, you know? Yeah. But they haven't done that in literally decades and they're doing it now with Mickey James who has a lot of WWE history but is currently the champion, the women's champion in TNA, which is like the third or fourth biggest American company depending on who you ask. So that is significant in its own right, but it's more significant because when that happened, they also, there were like some reports that were like, oh, WWE says that doesn't matter anymore. And so like that has led to reports that like maybe they are, uh, they have a deal with New Japan, the top Japanese promotion, Mm. which could lead to them bringing in the biggest star in New Japan, who's a guy named Okada, um, which would be like, it's one of those things where like the average American fan probably isn't going to know much about Okada, but for like the hardcore people, it would be like mind blowing. And it would also be, which, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't put it past WWE for this to be their main motivation, but it would also be a giant middle finger at AEW (laughs) that they were able to get this guy first because um, AEW was supposed to be the people that had this open relationship and invited people from Japan and all this stuff. So that's like the only super huge surprise guy that I think is at least like, you know, a remote possibility for the men's match. Um, but, this looks dope, by the way. Oh, God, he's super great. Yeah, he's awesome. But... Um, I also, my other bold prediction for the men's match is that one of Braun Strowman or Bray Wyatt will be back for it. And they'll just be like, yeah, you're rehired. <laughs> Whatever. We're That'd sorry cool. about firing you for a year. Wow, you're right. So there's like stuff from yesterday that says WWE partner teases top New Japan star for Royal Rumble. Yeah. So that would be amazing. Um, you know, he could have an AJ Styles match or all sorts of people, Seth Rollins, you know, whatever. Um, but that's like the really. That's the really out there one. But the women's match has up to four people who could be like 
medium to major huge surprises. The most me- the most medium, with due respect <laughs> to her, is Asuka, who's just been injured for a long time and should be healthy now. I think we actually know she's healthy, so she's like almost certainly going to be there. But that'll still probably get a big reaction because you know you haven't seen her for six months. Um, Bailey is like maybe probably not healthy, but might be there. And then Paige is a person that's always rumored around this time because she'd had all the neck problems. And like now that Edge is back, that's always the thought of like, well, if Edge can come back from what he had, so can anybody else. So she's one and she's also still ridiculously young. So there's plenty of reason for her to come back to you. And now all the rumor is that they've also brought Ronda Rousey back in. So that would be like the big women shocking return. Interesting. Who's this dewdrop lady? She is. Uh, she was known as Piper Niven um, in NXT UK, and she was a big deal in like Japan and Europe too. And then they brought her in kind of suddenly to be a sidekick for somebody that they've since fired. Um, <laughs> but she, I think, is she's getting the women's title match right against Becky Lynch. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I mean, it should be a good match. Because she's really good, but I wouldn't expect her to win it. Interesting. Does Charlotte have a match? I forget if Charlotte. I don't has think a... so. Not that I saw. Charlotte, as they say. Alita's going to be in the women's Royal Rumble. I don't know if you remember Lita, but she's a big deal from the olden days. I don't think so. Ian, for those who don't know, is a new age yeah. wrestling fan. I see that they have an Edge one: Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Miz. Oh and yeah, Mercy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maurice. Maurice. <laughs> Marcy. Maurice. Uh, yeah, Maurice. Maurice is Ms.'s wife. So, okay, so Brock Lesnar against Bobby Lashley. Then they also have Roman Reigns against freaking what's his face? Seth Rollins. But then all of these people could be conceivably in like the Royal Rumble match. Yeah, typically you can double dip if you're not a champion. Because this person is picking Brock Lesnar to win, and so like, but the Royal Rumble match is the last one, right? That's like the last one of the night. Well, one of the men's. I'm assuming the men's normally. Unless Ronda Rousey's coming back. Here's the thing: if the women you're coming out for the Royal Rumble last, you can almost bet your house that Ronda Rousey's gonna be in it. But I'm excited. um, Yeah, it should be dope. I actually really like. I'm trying. I'm trying to fight the desire to be like too pumped up, but I think there's a potential that it's gonna be like really good because I I don't know that they're scared of AEW as much as people want them to be, but they've been making all these budget cuts for this whole year and now I think they're maybe gonna like show out for WrestleMania season, you know, and really try and blow people because they've got two days in Dallas too. They've got a two day event for WrestleMania. Okay. So in that huge Cowboys stadium, so like they gotta fill that sucker. Um and I think they could really try to like blow the doors off and this is kind of the kickoff to all that. So I really could be cool. I'm pumped. And we're going if folks can't tell. So. There's a stipulation on the Roman Reigns versus uh, Seth yeah, freaking Rollins match. Oh yeah, Freakin' is now officially his middle name. Because <laughs> WWE Rollins. can't do anything at, at a 5. It's either got to be a 1 or a 10. I, I love time. that it says that in the stipulations. The Usos, Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso, are barred from ringside. Mm-hmm. So my thinking is they'll go out and cost Brock the match. Uh. Since they can't get squirrely in the... Brock Lesnar has Paul Heyman now? Yeah. He could also screw Brock Lesnar, too. Oh, man. A lot of people out to get Brock Lesnar. 
This would be very interesting. I find, I mean, we only went to the one wrestling thing together, and it is... Get her, Becky! I mean, it is like any sport without, when you see it with commentary and without. Mm. It's just so interesting, especially when things are very, like, story-driven. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, that kind of, that doesn't fade away, but, like, they are informing you an awful lot about story, like, Uh through the commentary. So when you watch it... You're kind of like almost more into like the wrestling yeah. half, and then something will happen where you see them like talking or looking at each other weird, and you're like, "This is the story part," but I don't know this because I'm so far uh-huh. away. Well, that's the funny thing I thought about. So, like again, Okada is like an extreme long shot, but if he does come out, it's going to be funny because the reaction's going to be weird. There will be some people like going insane, but it. In a building of fifty thousand, there's probably going to be a lot of people don't know who the hell he is. And like on the on the commentary, they'll all, all obviously oh, be like, "Oh my god!" And, you know all this yeah. stuff. But like, if it's an arena, you're not going to hear any of that. This will be, and a- he won't have music you'll recognize either. So I mean, presumably they'd flash Okada on the screen in big letters. But like, yeah. it could be really funny. Whereas like, obviously, if bad reputation plays and Ronda Rousey put, comes out, that place is going to come unglued if, like, you know, whoever Bray Wyatt comes out or whatever, like, it's going to be a big deal, but, like, mm. it could be weird if, like, in a sense, he's, like, the biggest person in the world that could be a surprise. Well, The Rock, I guess, would probably be the only person beyond him. You just said so The have, Rock will be here. Well, he has been rumored, but he's... Uh, don't he's say one, that to me. He's one that I believe a little bit less. I think they'll save him for, like, a California... You know, they'll probably do the Cronky Dome and put the rock in it. But um, but it's possible. But anyway. Um, I'm pumped. Man, that place would explode. I have been... So I was at um, the Raw. This is a very historic... I'll show you the clip after the show. But I was at a Raw where they first were doing like the drafts between brands. And John yeah. Cena was like at the height of his... Not at his stardom, but probably at the height of his like within wrestling popularity because he just won at WrestleMania and he was a huge star and everything. And he got drafted to Raw as the first pick and it was in St. Louis. And that was an explosion of sound, like just about anything I've ever heard. And then there were a few when I was down in New Orleans for WrestleMania that were like nuts as well. But Oh man, I'm going to be able to see Shinsuke. Oh yeah. See Ricochet. Ricochet's still around. Oh yeah. I like that they actually tell you some of these people that are in here, yeah. which is awesome that they have like five it's, that they don't tell you because I'm like, oh. It's funny because uh, wrestling fans hate that and they're stupid. <laughs> oh, I kind of get that. I sort of get that like in a sense because you're like, like I want to know that it's like, I want it all to be a surprise, yeah. but, but honestly, like, God, I'm going to forget all this about well, tomorrow. For sure. All, that for sure. Also, WWE would happily delete any of those people. Yeah. Like, no offense to him, but if WWE, if like The Rock called last minute oh, and was yeah. like, I'm on a flight to St. Louis, let's do this, hypothetically, they'd be like, sorry, Ricochet, card subject to change, my guy, you know? Like, Johnny Knoxville yeah. is supposed to be Oh, yeah, that. I forgot about that. So, you know, people hate that, but I'm like, Jackass is probably paying you a million dollars to put Johnny Knoxville in the rumble, you know? like I gotta go through all of these people. AJ Styles still around? I haven't seen that guy in a forever. Oh, yeah. Man, there's actually a lot of people on here that are like people that I know because I feel like some of these they'll bring in like 10 people that I'm sure you know, but I'm like, I don't even know who that is. But these are like all people I'm still aware of. Whatever the negatives, the positive of calling the roster down so 
barbaric way is that you pretty much have to know everybody that's on I'm kind of surprised. I haven't paid that much close attention in a little while, and I really thought it was going to be like, I don't know any of these people. Yeah. Who don't you know, Ian? Right? I'm going to go through Matt all Riddle, these. We're already perhaps, here. perhaps, almost, probably. And I know Angela Dawkins. I know Montez Ford. Oh, I know these Mysterio folks. <laughs> the, like, I, I skipped over I, those with Mysterio brothers. I really want brothers. them as a tag team to call them the Mysterio <laughs> folks. <laughs> Austin Theory. Maybe I don't know Austin Theory. Um, Damien Priest. I don't know if I know Damien Priest. Austin Theory is like 24. He's just a young hotshot yeah. prospect. Damien Priest is like 38 and is also a young hotshot prospect. Was Happy Corbin Happy Corbin when I asked about yeah, Happy Corbin? Corbin. Baron Corbin. Corbin then, he was, then he was unhappy Corbin or unlucky Corbin yeah, or something. But now he's been happy for all because he's rich. Because he's rich. That's right. Yeah. Because he's rich. Because he's rich. And he doesn't and he live does, in a hotel. That's right. And he's got triples of the Nova and triples of the Barracuda. The one person still listening loved that reference. Yes, exactly. Um, I like how this one guy's name is Madcap Moss, that's which I thought was... Happy Corbin's sidekick. Which I thought was Mocap Very obviously. Sammy Zanino, Kofi Kingston, Kevin Owens, Omos? I don't know Omos. Nigerian wrestler? Almost is 98 feet tall. I believe that. He was until very recently partnered with AJ Styles and then he betrayed him. Okay. He is 98 feet tall. And that's all you need to know about Almost. Almost is... He is 7 foot 3. Yeah. Holy shit. They treat him... He's probably green. I mean, he is definitely green. I think he's better than he gets some credit for, but they certainly think he's going to be a big star. Yeah, Randy Orton... Riddle. You heard of him? Who's Riddle? Riddle has been Randy Orton's partner in RK Bro. Uh, he was a top NXT guy. He's a legitimate UFC guy who got kicked out for pot. Mm. So now all his jokes are the pot. If you've ever seen the guy who kicks his flip flops off oh, when is he gets into the ring, that's oh, okay. I gotcha. And the birds that's like I saw. Fly. That'll probably be the best part of the Royal Rumble is not seeing the stupid birds uh. fly. <laughs> Chad Gable. There's a picture of freaking him with, with long hair. Chad Gable. Ooh. Oh yeah, sign. back in the day. Yeah, that was his. That was his prime. Baby. They that showed, was his peak. They showed him with Otis American the other Alpha. day, and I was like, man, I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> I was like, this is your. They're boy the now. champions now. That's so weird. I like how they. I like how they just kind of like repackage. It's people. funny because so he was a tag team. <laughs> Folks, if you haven't stopped listening, we're literally just, just having a conversation do. with a mic off, mic on at this point. But he was in a tag team with um, Jordan, Jason Jordan in NXT that I loved, called American Alpha. And then Jason Jordan came up, and they had already broken them up because WWE hates tag teams, and I hate them, and I hate everything, and I hate life. But oh, we're so psyched for tomorrow. <laughs> but Jason Jordan had a neck injury too, like Edge and Page, and couldn't come back maybe he had concussion stuff too but he's like risen to the ranks through the ranks backstage very quickly and now i think he's the head of the producers which are like the people who um set up matches they don't necessarily book the outcome but like the wrestlers meet with them and they talk through like what's required and stuff like that and jason jordan's like the number one of those guys now so it's all in the space of like five years but let's see who else is here Dolph Ziegler, I saw the guy at a bar. In Tempe or Scottsdale? Yeah, Scottsdale. At the home of the Arizona Cowboys. Robert Roode, Shinsuke Nakamura, Rick Boggs. Who do I know Rick Boggs? Rick Boogs is uh, Shinsuke's guitar guy. Oh, that's right, that's right. And then Ricochet. Ricochet, who I didn't like, I thought was like. The women, I bet you will do much less well. (laughs) Rhea Ripley. How many have they even announced? Like 
15 maybe yeah hall of fame <laughs> there's gonna be like 18 nxt people fuck? rhea ripley okay we got that dana brooke we got that carmella queen zelina dope oh uh, yeah she's back baby and she's pushed to the moon tamina i guess is maybe? she still employed really i don't know i don't know they've she... cut 10 million people this year and tamina oh. is still employed <laughs> Due respect, but yikes. Natalia, I know. I don't know who Shotzi is or Aaliyah. Shotzi's got long neon green hair, and that's okay. all you need to is know. Is Naomi the one that was like, had like a feel the glow? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, oh, Shayna Baszler is the one that's kind of scary. Charlotte Flair. This is Shotzi. She's very special. Oh, I do think I remember yeah, you've her. You've seen her, I'm sure. Uh, Lita? Is that what you said it was like? She's the legend, yep. The two Bella twins. Oh, they're sisters. coming back for this, yep. Kelly Kelly? She's a. Michelle McCool? Very, very generously called a legend. Michelle McCool's the Undertaker's wife, actually, but also a legend. Summer Ray? Also a, an older person that has returned. Mickey James is the one that you said is yeah, like. She's the TNA one. Okay. Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan. Sasha Banks. Sonya Deville. Okay. All right. I knew more than I thought. Okay. So the women's match will be very interesting because they will have to call up probably four or five people from NXT and some special guests and all sorts of stuff. So that'll be very interesting. That's because the women's one is a joke. Just kidding. Well, they've treated the women's division like a little bit of a joke lately. but Very interesting. Well, you want to wrap this podcast yeah. up? Someone's going to see that this was like three hours. And like, I'm not going to listen to this shit. And it's like, well, don't worry. The last hour was just wrestling. <laughs> Only the last half hour. We're good. Folks, you know, come if you're in the Royal Rumble tomorrow, if, if you're, you're in, in the it, Royal if, Rumble, if you're one of the congratulations guest stars. on your victory, Okada or whoever. But um, Remember to tuck your chin. For everyone else, yeah. Flat back bumps, people. We don't want you to go down like Hayabusa because that was pretty rough. But... He's alive. He just okay. can't walk. Well, actually, he might be dead now. But that was That's why I can't walk. That was independent of the criminal. <laughs> oh, boy. This is really spiraled. Folks, we've gone too far. We're t- we've talked about deaths now. It's a Darren Pang comment at this point. Oh, no. This podcast survived for a period. But it's time to take it off life support. Good night, everybody. See ya. You don't know